17 in a small town, weak knees in a CVS, door locked in the bathroom, what's it gonna be waiting on that test? Never thought that they'd be putting those life plans on the shelf, a couple American babies raising one up their self. One beer turns into an What's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my partner in crime, my brother from another mother, Jim Cross. Jim, my man, it's episode 14 title, Championship Pedigree, because, man, we got a family-packed episode. We're going to be talking to national champion at Mississippi State, Cameron James. We're going to be talking to the World Series champ from the Atlanta Braves, Austin Riley. And we got their dads, Greg James, Mike Riley on. Dude, I don't want to waste any time. I want to get right into it. So help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview in podcasting this week. World Series champion with the Atlanta Braves, Austin Riley. National champion with Mississippi State Bulldogs, Cameron James and their dads, Mike Riley, Greg James. Yo, guys, what is going on? Austin, Cameron, Mike, Greg, it is a pleasure to have you guys. How are we all doing tonight? Can't complain. <laughs> doing really good. Looking great. Excellent. Greg's face. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's great to have you guys. Obviously, for Austin and Cam, we've, we've had them on before, but it's nice to now get a chance to talk to you, Mike, and you, Greg, because we've heard so much about you. And, you know, before I get into all this, I, I got to say, like, you guys have done a hell of a job raising two unbelievably just awesome kids. So I think me being a parent, I think probably one of the best accolades that I could ever receive is somebody telling me that I'm doing a good job raising my kids. So my hats off to you guys cameron and austin are phenomenal guys and you know i i attribute that to just you you guys and your family and and how you've done raising them so so thank you for that thank you appreciate it yeah absolutely but let's let's get into this let's have a little fun before we talk baseball guys austin i gotta i gotta know man um you're a guy who probably is going to you know, take a well-deserved off-season. And I see a lot of things from the hunting angle, like, in your off time. So so talk to me a little bit about that. Is this something that is a passion of yours, a hobby, just oh, yeah. to, to relax? And, like, what just are you hunting? Away. Where are you hunting? Like, what, what? break it down for me. So not to get into too much of baseball, but funny thing is, is, like, it was a, like, if you take the look at how our like season ended, like a week or two before the season, we didn't know what was going on. Like we didn't know if we were going to be going home at, you know, October 3rd or if we were going to be playing. So talking with my buddy Tyler at Realtree, you know, we, we had like two hunts planned in like middle of October and like the end of October. And then like, as you know, as we started, you know, getting hot and things going, it's like, Hey man, that's a, bold, that's a bold move, man. Hey, you know, you, you just never know. So it's kind of, you got to have it there. Um, but, you know, I text him like, hey, man, 
Um, you know, we're, we, we made it. Doesn't look like I'm going to be able to make the first trip. Um, we'll see about the second one. And then, you know, you make, you know, we continue to get deeper and deeper. It's like, hey, man, you're going to have to cancel again. Um, but, no, I ended up getting out to um, Nebraska, killed two deer out there. Um, I actually killed one in Georgia in September during season with my bow, um, pretty good eight point. And then I just got back from um, Louisiana, killed a funky eight point with like a big double main beam with like an eye guard, looked like a unicorn, uh, which was pretty cool. But no, I just enjoy, you know, the season itself is so long um, and, and Cameron knows all about this. It's even college ball and stuff. It's, it, it doesn't stop, it never stops. Um, so hunting for me um, is just a, something where I can get away you know, be by myself, just kind of almost depress a little bit um, and come down and just, you know, reflect over how the season went, this, that, and the other. But I just really en enjoy just getting out, um, you know, in, in the woods. When, when you're out there, can you completely shut it off and completely disengage from the sport? Or are you constantly out there having a good time, obviously, and enjoying yeah. yourself, but thinking like the brain just doesn't stop moving in regards to baseball it doesn't um as much as you try i mean you're still obviously you know you think about you know what what went on you know how can you improve how can you know what could you do a little bit different you know going into next year um that's kind of where i kind of assess everything um it's just you know you try to as much as you can i think just from a pressure standpoint that's where you really you know for me I go it's just you know you don't have to you don't have to be see anyone be you know you just be there be yourself um but you definitely still think think on things was the uh the bow kill the best one for you because when we had you on last episode you said you like using the bow more I do but I've actually killed I've killed three with a rifle this year uh and actually my biggest one in Nebraska scored um 171 so that's my biggest one yet so that was that was definitely my best one this year out of out of all the places to go why why nebraska i actually just got tyler hooked me up with a guy we call him dirty sean um huh. and he's just out i mean he's literally out in the middle of nowhere um i think there's maybe like two thousand people in bassett nebraska um and it's just different. It's rolling cedar draws. It's just different hunting than what I'm, I grew up used to. Um, and I think that's why I enjoy it so much. Look, I, I got to ask, we had the, the great thing about having you guys on and then having other guests is that our other guests always give us, you know, personal stories about you guys. So while we're on the, the, the theme of, of, of hunting and killing, I, I got to ask Austin, have you forgiven Dallas Woolfolk for wanting to dig your grave in seventh yeah. grade? Yeah, I actually texted Jim about that. He was like, he texted me he was like, hey, you got anything for, for the guys? And, and growing up, and I'm sure you, you heard the story, um, he, he got a, I think it was a big log and like started digging and like yelled at me, I'm digging your grave. <laughs> um, but no, we're, we're, we're on good terms. I mean, I'll, it seems like a typical seventh grade move, right? One hundred percent. We're I think we're fighting over the same girl, so no nothing. <laughs> All right, Cameron, man, you guys, you had the Omaha challenge. We saw that the black team won. What was your favorite event, and what was your least favorite event of that that whole competition? 
Uh, my favorite event was probably the swimming, just because I'm at, I was actually the that was my best event. Um, we didn't really have a whole lot of fun events like we had in 2019. We got to do basketball and stuff like that, but um, we did play dodgeball. But our team got swept three games to none, so I wouldn't say that was that was very fun. Mm. But my least favorite. Um, so we have, I don't know if y'all know what like Versa climbers are. It's kind of like a mountain climber deal um, where I guess it's like a vertical machine and you're almost like you have your hands up on two handles and your feet in two pedals and you got to get four of those, I think is what we had, four or five of those to like 2,000 feet and you have to get five different stationary bikes to I think it was like four miles and whichever team did it the quickest won. And by the time I was done with that, it was, that was definitely the hardest event I've ever done um, in my whole life, the hardest workout. So that was by far my least favorite. I got to know who got you out in dodgeball. Uh, Brad Cumbus. I threw one that hit him and he threw one that hit me at the same time. Well, if, I guess if you're going to go out, that's, it's a decent. He's a decent guy to go out to, you know. Yeah, he is. I mean, it it, it could have been it could have been a freshman. <laughs> yeah, it could have been a freshman, but that would that would have made it worse. Hey, Cameron, yeah, we I have can't. some Versa rows on and in the weight room in Atlanta, and I don't think I've seen anybody on ever. So no, you you don't want to go on. There's a reason why nobody's ever stepped foot on. Like, no one gets on that thing. <laughs> yeah, it's the I couldn't see. I promise you, I couldn't see. What I, my eyes were seeing pitch black darkness. <laughs> I was gonna die. It was terrible. That's that's a machine that everybody can tell you about them being on it one time. Yeah, one time. That's the only time they ever get on it. Yeah, never um, get on it again. Yeah. So, Cameron, I I gotta ask if if taking the trash out at night was an event, who would win? You or Keegan? Me, and it's not close. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't get it. Like he. You could tell we talked to him, and there's still a fear about. I, I think it, it. I think as a kid, he's afraid of the dark. I mean, I I, I think that's part of it, man. Because not only is he afraid of the dark, but if it if it's requested by my mom, he's just gonna make it a point to not do it. So uh, <laughs> I'll just it'll it'll be easy. I'll just literally have to walk as slow as I can and get it done by the morning, and it'll be I'll win. So. So Greg, I, I gotta I gotta ask you is how how are the boys in com, in comparison to Sterling when it comes to doing chores? Do you gotta ask the boys over and over when they were growing up to do stuff, or or were they you know pretty pretty adamant about about adhering to the rules? So Keegan, you pretty much have to beat him to do anything. Okay, that's just a plain and simple fact. Cameron is. Stacy's baby boy. He does everything. Cameron was always the kid that Keegan was was the kid that that always wanted to make you mad. It seemed like, and he'd just not do it on purpose. Cameron was the one that I don't want to hear, Daddy. I don't want to hear, Mom. I'm just going to go do it. Then I don't have to listen to it, and it's over with. Sterling's kind of in between. Sterling. Sterling does what she has to do when she wants to do it, okay? 
So that's kind of the way all three of them are so very, very different. It's, it's funny to go to Mississippi State and, and listen to, to especially them talk about the boys and they're like, okay, one of these kids may not be yours because they're two totally different personalities. And they are. Mike can tell you, Keegan is, Keegan's that kid's gonna fight you. <laughs> He's gonna fight you anytime you ask him to do something. Cameron's just gonna do it and be done with it. And Sterling, like I say, is kind of in the middle. So, uh, you know, we, we talk all the time about DC and the various teams and talent and championships. So to be honest, like it's at nauseum, like the amount of times we've talked about and debated these teams. So I, I got to hear it from you. You've had a lot of feet in, in that ballpark. So tell me. Put this debate to, to rest. Who is the best DC team? Is it 2015? Is it 2019? And why? <laughs> okay, so so I <laughs> I see you laughing there, Austin. I put some. I put. I'm I'm a numbers guy, and I put together some some numbers. And and when you when you look at at the the numbers. The numbers show that the 2019 team is the best team out there. The 2018 is very, very close. I did a comparison with all three of the teams. Jim's got I, I, I don't have it up here right now. Um, but, but when you look at the numbers, the home runs, I think uh, I do remember two. Batting average and ERA are significant between fifteen and nineteen. You got a you got the ERA of one point four seven for nineteen, and they also had a batting average of three fifty four. So that those two categories specifically, which is which is tops. Um, <laughs> I had this conversation with Jim, so I've got I've got a kid on both both teams. Um, if you look at the numbers, the numbers bear out that two thousand nineteen is the best team, followed actually by two thousand eighteen. Now. <laughs> When you look at Mississippi State winning a national championship this year, it took so many teams before them to, to get to that point, and somebody has to pave the way. And quite frankly, I think Austin would probably tell you, 2014 may actually be the most talented team that's ever been at, at uh, DeSoto Central. If you watch, if you look at all the talent that was on it, the speed, the power, the pitching, everything, they didn't win it. Uh, then 2015 won it that next year and finally broke through 2014 got there 2015 broke the barrier and then I really believe that as we've gone on from top to bottom the the 2018-2019 would give anybody a run for their money because the numbers uh, bear out that 2019 was a special special group so so anyway, I've heard some comments too. I think uh, you're going to have Hayden Tapper on. I want you to ask him this question. I heard he made a statement that 2018-2019 couldn't hit left-handed pitching, and that's why 2015 would beat them. Well, Austin, correct me. Austin, Dallas, Keegan, Spencer Price, and occasionally Colin Coates were basically our five pitchers. All right-handers. Yeah, you're not lying. <laughs> so there wasn't any left-handers there. But anyway, I, I've just I've looked at the numbers, but but you gotta, you know, you look at it. I, I think what's going to happen uh, is you're going to see over time. So Austin's already won a, a, a 
uh, World Series with the MLB. That's the biggest thing that's ever been at uh, DeSoto, of an athlete at DeSoto Central. Cameron's won a national championship at Mississippi State. That's number two. So you're starting to see these players. Does a Dallas Wolfo, does a Keegan make it to the pros? Does a Cameron make it to the pros? Does a Kyle Booker, does a Cade Smith? So I think over the years, this debate could rage on. The main thing is they were all really, really, really good. So, like that? so po po politi that. politically, you're giving me the answer <laughs> of they were all really good. Yep. Thanks for your help, Greg. Appreciate that. <laughs> the now, best I can do. <laughs> you know, here's what I'll say. I mean, looking at the stats you provided, there's 13 categories. And six of the 13 categories that 2019 team dominated the other teams in. So almost 50% of those statistical categories, 2019, took the cake. Now, they were 34-3. and three. Um, I don't know the level of competition that they played in comparison to the years previous, but, I mean, there's got to be something to be said about that. 2015. 2015. They did go to two of the biggest tournaments in the country, so that would have probably hurt our average a little bit. But you know, I don't know if it'll hurt it by forty-five points. Well, according according to Dallas Wolfolk and George Miller, the Oak Grove team is like the New York Yankees of high school baseball, and they had to play them. So they did have two studs. I'll give Taylor Braley and Kirk McCarty credit, and and I will have to say, two thousand fifteen did play the better schedule because they won LaGrange, Georgia, which was the fifth toughest tournament in America that year. They finished second in the uh, National High School Showdown, which was voted the number one tournament. And then we played in a third tournament that was like the number seven or another, number eight ranked tournament, and they won it also. So there was, I'll give them, the, the competition was better for the 2015 team. Plus, they're trying to get the monkey off their back. I appreciate that, Uncle Greg. Yeah, I, you know, that Buford team, Austin, I remember yeah. you, you pitching and hitting. It was really, really, really yeah, good. We played so was Sarasota and some of those guys. But. Austin went down and shut out uh, IMG Academy 10 to nothing. And and I think the uh, they ordered were laughing at us because they didn't that. think we were supposed to be there. Huh? I ordered a new arm after that, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But he threw we, – we run, rolled them in five innings, and Austin threw a complete game, and we beat them 10 to nothing. And they had some – superstars supposedly on that team so so that team played a really tough schedule so mike i, I gotta i gotta transition to you man what is it like being able to witness austin not only play you know and live out a dream but to win a world series because there's there's a small percentage of, of guys that can say that they played pro baseball or pro anything and you got to witness your son be the best in the world at it. So talk me through that emotionally. What's that like? And, you know, looking back on it, like, you know, tell me about it. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, uh, it was unbelievable. It was start to finish from to the season didn't even know that they were even going to make the playoffs to, to making the playoffs. Then 
<laughs> we, we finally made the playoffs and then my daughter had her uh, first child, my first grand, my first to, to not even know if I was going to be able to go, which I did. My, my wife stayed back, Lisa stayed back with Emily and, uh, and I made every, every game, but just, just, just like anything else, it was, it was, uh, to see your son out there performing, uh, just to get there at a high level, just really, really special. I tell you, I tell you this much: he went to every, you went to every game, every game in the postseason, and he got diagnosed with high blood pressure about a week later <laughs> when he went to the doctor. <laughs> so he's that'll do it. Blood pressure medicine. <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Hey, I'm fine. I just, I just came off of the World Series. So. <laughs> no, just, just to, to be able to witness and to be there uh, for every game, uh, it was, it was very special. Well, you know, the reason y'all got over the Dodgers, hump, uh, Austin, is because Greg and Cam said they were there. That's the only reason. Hey, I'll take it. I'll take whatever we can get to beat the Dodgers. <laughs> hey." I yeah, mean, it, Austin it, hooked us up that night. Yeah, if I'm sure you, if if you had to do it again, you would invite them every time if that's what it took. Hey, if that's what it took, <laughs> I'll do whatever to win a World Series. <laughs> Absolutely, Greg. Man, I I saw some pictures and some videos from Omaha. You're like, you're like the team dad. I feel like every Mississippi State guest has many stories about Greg James and. Like I, I am honestly in awe, but you know, tell me about that experience getting to go to Omaha and witness, you know, Cameron and those guys just, just fall out. I mean, that's, that's the best way to put it. Well, it, it was, it was unbelievable. Uh, just like Mike said, to, to see your, your son do what he did. And, and uh, part of the reason why I'm the team dad is because I've only been there about 10 years now, it seems like. Because, you know, you go through the, the thing with Keegan and you had the four, the four head coaches in four years, the four pitching coaches in four years, the Tommy John surgery, and, and you learn not to ever take anything for granted. And, and I know that um, I, I think I've had this conversation with, with Jim before that it was, a, it was a long season. Cameron went through some, some struggles at times. He, he was really, really good at times. And, and, and you, you find out that all of a sudden you're so wrapped up in it, you're really not enjoying the moment. And one thing that Omaha did, when you get there, you, once you get there, everything, anything else is gravy. And, and, you know, I went there and, and it was the first time I can honestly say, and I've had this talk with Cameron before, that I truly enjoyed watching my son play baseball. And in some ways that's kind of sad because you get so close to the program and you're so close to the people. Uh, you know, Mike and I played football together over there. That's where we met. Uh, that's where he met my sister. There's just so many things that go back so far. And you want to produce, you want your son to produce for that university first. And then, and then you, you think about all the people that have helped them get to where they are. And it's, it's very emotional. It's very humbling. And um, you, you sometimes just say, you know, God, 
how did all this happen? And and you, you just really don't know how to really how to react. And 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 it still is still, I guess, settling in for us uh, what they did because there's a lot of players that came before Cameron and them that that they got to Omaha, won a lot of ball games, but they were the one that finally finally got it done. And it's just it's just unbelievably <laughs> special. So the video that Daniel's referencing, you know, I sent you like that was just so cool. Like I just started recording because every single player came off that bus and gave you a hug. Not everybody else. It wasn't like something they were doing with everybody. And so like you're doing something like you, you're a father figure in some way, shape or form for a lot of those guys. So it was such a cool thing to see. Well, I think after being through through what we went through with with Keegan and all the all the things that happened, you really do get close to the kids and you get close to them. And, I, and I'm telling you, I love Mississippi State, but our fans are tough on, on our players. And and you know, there's there's a reason for it. Our, our our fans expect greatness. They were thirsting so much for a um, a national championship. We'd been so close, and and you really just they have no idea what these kids go through and what uh, some of them don't, they don't, they don't understand <laughs> what they do. I, I, I made a, a statement, I think to you, Jim, that, that Cameron struggled against Tulane. And, and I mean, our people were rough on him that day. And I started calling him about nine o'clock. We went to dinner at seven. He left. I started calling about nine, nine 30. Cause I knew he was, he was really struggling. Uh, with himself a little bit mentally, and and I started calling about nine. I didn't get him. I called again nine thirty. Didn't get him. Called at ten. Didn't get him. Called at eleven. Didn't get him. I'm starting to get kind of worried. About I don't know eleven thirty, eleven forty five, twelve o'clock. Cameron calls me. Are you okay, Daddy? What's what's going on? I said, Well, I'm trying to find you. I wanted to be sure, you know, mentally where you are. And how are you? He goes, oh, I've been in the Palmero taking ground balls for two and a half hours. I've had a manager feed me ground balls, you know, and, and that's the thing that, that these kids do, these young men do, and all of them do. They care so much about the program that I've seen them hurt when they lose. I've seen them as high as they can be when they, when they win. I've seen when they go through everything and they get injured and it's all taken away from a year and you're almost set on an island over there by yourself. And um, uh, it's it's tough. It's tough mentally on these on these young men. And I know there's people that would give, you know, whatever to to be in their shoes. But it's 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 a lot on them. And and I just admire every one of them. And and kind of get to be friends with them. And just because I I really admire what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I mean I've enjoyed being along the ride with you. I mean I feel like an attached family member. And then all the players that the way they've taken my son in, it's just. It's a great group of guys and easy to root for. Uh, Mike, before I move on to Austin, you know, you were talking about, you know, your other kids, and I read a fantastic article. You know, you got a lot going on, and obviously Austin has brought some more news to the table. Um, so for those who maybe hadn't read that article, you know, share what's going on with, with all these kids and how you just got it really going on as a, as a dad right now. Yeah, so so my, my daughter had – the first, our first grandchild, which is unbelievable, Hunter, and uh, that that took place right as they were opening the the series with Milwaukee, and uh, so my my wife obviously st stayed back with her. I went I went to the game, but but uh, was was here for to see see him, and 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 then I then I left, but but everything is was good and. She, my wife, stayed back for for all the 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 playoff games, other than the World Series, and then we 
we, uh, baby was good. And then we went to the World Series and, and enjoyed both in Atlanta and, and in, in Houston and just had a fantastic time. And then Austin, you want to you want to go ahead and share the news for anybody who doesn't know. Yeah, anybody that doesn't know, um, we got a baby boy coming in May, May third. Uh, All right. An appointment today to see the anatomy and everything. So he's rocking and kicking around, super healthy. So we're pumped. Um, so yeah, I mean we're we're excited. It's going to be right in the middle of of season. So that's going to be a, a, a big challenge. Um, but no, it's it's we we can't be more excited. I know Anna. My I tell you what, Anna thought the whole time until we had our first ultrasound that it was a girl. She had all the sickness, especially going with like Milwaukee, um, L.A. The travel on the bus, like funny story. Um, people thought so. We were where were we? we were in Milwaukee and we were coming back from the stadium and we're sitting on the back of of the charter bus and I was there with them. Yeah, by the yeah, way. yeah. Dad's there with us and. And we're sitting there and all of a sudden, and it's like, you know, we're sitting there rocking. I think we had the worst bus driver ever anyways. Um, so she's like, I, I gotta go to the bathroom. I got like, I'm about to throw up everywhere. Like, you know, she's got her sickness going on. Um, so she stands back there and I, you know, I'm like turning back, checking, you know, sitting there and I turn back around checking. She's just standing by the bathroom, just waiting for it to happen. So next day, um, like all the guys come up to me they're like, hey, um, you you got some you got some issues back home. Everything everything good? Um, you have you done something? Um, you know, you, you get caught cheating or like they they thought the worst of me. Um, and I was like, no, guy. And this is when we were trying to hide it, um, but we were like right there at that point where we were, we were good enough to like we could start telling some folks. So I was like, guys, I'm having a kid. She's got sickness you know, like no other, we're not fighting. She's got sickness. So, um, that was a funny little story. Um, but no, we're, we're super pumped and, and, and thankful. Um, I'm just pumped. It's a boy. Uh, Anna might not be, she's happy, but she definitely wanted a girl. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest with you, Austin and, and Daniel can attest to this. And obviously, uh, well, actually everybody here is a, is a, is a girl dad. I'm going to tell you, don't underrate being a girl dad. It's phenomenal. Hey, like, I, I, I agree. agree. I was fine with it and I would have been fine with it. Um, but my sister Hunter and, um, our little boy are going to be in the same grade. So they'll be best, hopefully best friends, kind of like me and Keegan were. Um, so that's going to be kind of cool to, to watch, you know, you know, play out and see how that goes. And really at the end of the day, at the end of the day, all you want is healthy. And that's to this point, everything's healthy and that's, that's all you can ask for. So, uh, so Jim, so Jim, I've got to tell you, you talk about Sterling a lot. His sister, I'm going to call her Nicole because she'll laugh about it. She was a really, really good athlete. Also, she she was a very, very good basketball player at Minnesota Central. So, and, that, and that's why I got to know what you're growing on that farm and feeding everybody because everybody is just a baller. And so and I need some of it. He's a, you know, he plays golf in college. Um, and he's the, he's the one I get the most upset about because I'm so competitive and I want to be good. At, and I think I'm good at golf, but then I go play him and it's just not even fair. Um, I mean, but, golf is so hard. Yeah. You got to give him his due. If he, if no, he's crafty, I tell, I tell everybody, I'm like, when I'm good, I'm putting it like 10 to 15 feet 
and I'm like fist pump. But when he's good, he's hitting flag sticks. So it's pretty, it's pretty impressive to watch. I want to ask a question, Austin. Can he outdrive you? Because I've seen him drive, and I, I would guess he may, maybe could. He, at time, at times, you catch him on the right day, he can. I, <laughs> I got to step in. He cannot. He cannot. <laughs> Austin's got him in the driving. But in, I would in take the driving, but but Zach's got him in every other phase of the game. I would take <laughs> 20 yards if I could putt like he could. Look, look, Daniel, Austin would do like in 10 cup when you know he brings the tools and he's got the baseball bat as one of them and just throw the golf ball up and smash it to the hole. That's the way to go. That would work. I would. You know those, <laughs> see those golfer things where you just set it up there and it's got the little shooter that pings it. That's yeah. what I do. So, so let me ask you, I, this, this wasn't planned, but, you know, we, we've been talking about all these different things. What do you look forward to doing more with your son, hunting for the first time or throwing the baseball? Hunting. <laughs> I tell I you, I'm already asking Anna, can I buy him a gun? Or <laughs> Not even here yet. Try to get him a gun. ASAP. I hear you. All right, well, let's get into it. Let's talk baseball. And, you know, you came on this show and you told us, <laughs> that your whole career you have traditionally started slow and lo and behold you did again right like so it never fails it never fails but you know you know what you got to do to to get it right so let's talk about it you know i don't know around what game it happened but you know your team kind of it went hand in hand when you got hot so did a lot of other guys and it happened so what did you do to was it just continually grinding or did you have to fix something yeah so you know obviously started slow Come to find out, um, you know, a lot of team, you know, a lot, a lot of, I think, whether it was Brace front office or who it was, they wanted me gone. Like they were ready to trade me. Like let's get them out of here. Let's, it's time to move on. Um, and they were coming at me with a lot of different stuff. You know, it felt like every day we were trying to change something, trying to change this. Um, and basically, it was like we had a meeting in an office one day. Um, and you know, I just said, I was like, Hey, let's pick one thing. If it sticks great, I'll, I'll stay here. If not, I may have to go to AAA and figure things out. But it, the, the way we were going with just throwing that, you know, things, you know, one thing after other, it just, and you know, camera knows this, you know, everybody in baseball knows that that just doesn't work. You have to get, you know, you have, you have to simplify things. You have to get to one specific thing that you think that's the sore, uh, and just work on that. And that's what I did. And it took about a week and a half and I just continued to work on that. Um, and, and, you know, it started finally click. And once I kind of got that confidence and stuff, I started rolling. Um, and it, you can ask my dad, I think it was just, it was one of those confidence things. It's like, I knew what was going on. It's just, you know, figuring out the right drills and the right routine um, to get myself going every day. And, and I think I, you know, was able to figure that out and, and get rolling. So they have faith in you, so to speak, and, and they keep you. You obviously get rolling. The team gets rolling. You know, um, you know, y'all are hovering around 500. And then finally, uh, what y'all win? 12 in a row, I think. I think it was 11 or 12 in a row or something like that. And so at that point, you know, obviously y'all had lost Acuna, but, you know, it didn't matter. Y'all were rolling. At what point do you think, obviously, y'all still had to win the East and it got tight to the end, but at what point do you feel like that y'all felt like as a team that y'all actually had a team that could compete to, you know, not just go to the playoffs, but maybe go all the way? You know, I think it was when we, you know, trade deadline, when we, you know, 
got those guys like Soler, Rosario, Duvall. Um, like I said, it was a punch in the gut when Ronald, you know, um, went down. I think a lot of us were like, well, you know, maybe maybe next year. Um, but you know, Alex didn't didn't stop. He you know went and got a couple guys, um, and, and and they just came over with Jock too. Sorry, forgot to mention him. Um, and, and it was just one of those group of guys that just we clicked, we bonded, we pulled for each other. Um, I actually tell a lot of people that I talk to that I felt like the Braves and Mississippi State were pretty similar in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It's like on paper we probably didn't have the 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 best team, but you know we were just a bunch of guys that you know loved the grind, loved each other, pulled for each other. Um, and, and I think in baseball that goes a long way, especially when you get hot at the right time. Um, so it really wasn't like a specific date, but I'd like to think, like I said, once that trade deadline, we got those guys. Um, you got guys like Heredia that just, you know, keep it, you know, very fun in the clubhouse. Jock kept it light. Um, it's just one of those things that we just, you know, it was one of those things I think is just destined to be. We clicked at the right time and, you know, we, we did the thing. Yeah, you said y'all in Mississippi State were the same. I mean, honestly, we'll get to Cam in a minute, but it seemed like you and Cam were like almost kind of one in the same because y'all had that slow start. And then once y'all got rolling, it was, you know, it was the same thing. It was but crazy. I did, but I do got to ask, I wasn't even going to ask this, but you brought it up. You know, you're the kind of guy you are, you're a Mississippi boy, like jocking his pearls. How, how you feel? <laughs> I didn't mind it. Like I, I'm telling you, when he brought them out, um, you know, he, I got a bunch of texts that night. I'll tell you this. And it was like, Hey, what's up with the pearls? And I was like, I have no clue. I said, I'll find out. So I went up to him the next day. He was just like, you know, I'm, I'm that guy. Basically is what he said. He's like, don't, you know, I'm, I'm one of those dudes. Um, and, and he just kind of had that flair to him. Um, and it, I think it was good for us. Yeah, no doubt. So let's get to, before we get to the playoffs, let's get to the Philly series, right? And that, and that was where y'all needed to lock things up. And a lot of the big talk was obviously Bryce Harper. And, you know, I was on here stating, you know, give me Austin all day. I was told I was being a homer. But then you look at how that series played out. You know, not only it's a team game, obviously, but you played well. He did not at all like so you know talk to me about how good it feels to you know regardless if he got the MVP and he's the big name for you to do your thing and for your team to go out there and take care of the Phillies and lock up the division you know I think it's just one of those things where you know we had the we had the confidence and and I think that helped me a lot just like I said I was able to kind of figure out finally a routine that helped me day in and day out get locked in um, so it really didn't matter who I was facing. Um, I see Nola, Aaron Nola really well for whatever reason. Um, do not see Wheeler at all. So, I mean, I just, you know, take the days. But anyway, just to be able to kind of, like I said, help that our team boost and, and, and make that run, that, that was huge. Um, nothing against Harper. I hate that. I honestly hate that Harper gets booed everywhere he goes because he's honestly one of the nicest guys I've ever talked to on the on a diamond. Um, but, uh, no, it just was, it was a cool ride. Um, and, and to do it at home, you know, that series right there, that, that was cool. Like I said, our, our fans needed, needed this year big time. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it was, it was fun to watch and, you know, there's nothing I like being 
uh, like more than being right. Austin, I picked y'all to win the division. I even picked y'all to win the World Series once you won the division. So I appreciate that. Like Absolutely. I said, once again, I was told I was making a homer pick, but I knew my Cardinals weren't going to do it. So, you know. Hey, they it, got hot, hot there for a second. Let me ask you a question then. Or, you know, I'm going to ask your dad this question. I'm going to bring him into the fold because he's a coach. All right. Did the Cardinals make the right decision the last few games by resting their guys when you're winning 17 in a row? Is that you're talking about position players? Yeah. You know, I, I, I think it's – it's as a former coach, I think you could go either way with it. I mean, I think it's the way they did it and, and, and what transpired, I, I think. And then if you go a different direction – so I think it's – I think it's hit or miss. I think it's, you know, if, if, if I were the coach, I would have done the same thing, you know, no, what about you, Austin, you're not coming like, off the field. Like you? days I, would a year. Have, I would have done the same thing. <laughs> so Austin, you've, you've won 17 in a row. You're not coming off the field. Are you? No. And Snet's not going to let you. Well, one, I say that Freddie's not going to let you. Um, but once they block, once they block that, that, that spot down and you've got some downtime, I mean, you know, give the give the guys a, a little bit of break. I mean, they they what they just went through. I mean, you got to. I mean, in my opinion, but you know, at the same time, I mean, it's. I mean, it's argue. I mean, you could argue it either way. <laughs> Austin, I I heard if if Mike was the manager, you would have been in AAA. <laughs> he, he he's that cut. He's that cutthroat man. Probably, I probably would. <laughs> probably would. <laughs> If he can't steal a base, and he's he's got to go back down there and, and, and work on it hey, for a minute. I said, hey, day one of the day with base, and JB, it's on. I'm getting 10. I said, we got to be able to steal one base, at least one. <laughs> so so is that where you're going to be working out? You, you done bailed on me at the club for you going to basically – okay. I got tired. I mean, you know – yeah, I'm sorry. And, and, hey, and, hey, it's honestly the smart thing to do. You're so popular around here. You might not be able to get a workout in, bro. So, like, I, right worry. I just, I, I, I do have to say this. I do have to say this. So, I'm, I'm not very impressed with the way he slides, for sure. <laughs> when, when, when Austin and Keegan, and when, when we, and when we had those guys, we took them down to a separate camp when they were like 11 or 12. To, for a weekend, like a three-day weekend, and we put out cardboard on on concrete, and we taught every one of these kids how to slide. And you wonder why I don't like sliding. And he has yet to be able to figure out how to slide into a base, and I've not been able to figure it out. Well, we're gonna have to let Cameron teach you because Cameron's got <laughs> it down. So I don't know. I don't. I don't know what Greg did with Cam, but it worked out. That's. Hey, I turned Cameron over. When it came to baseball, I turned Keegan over to Mike and Gary Blaylock. And quite frankly, they did a phenomenal job with that bunch. And then then I turned Cameron over over to, well, Mike had him first, then Chris McCraney and some of those guys. I can't coach baseball. I'm a really good <laughs> BP thrower. How's that? There you go. <laughs> well, Cameron may think I'm not now, but I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so Austin, you know, we talked about it, you know, you, you got over the hump of the Dodgers, you know, uh, how, how good did that feel, especially coming off the season before where, you know, they were the team that eliminated you and I've obviously, you know, a lot of mocking of the Braves because you blew a three, one series lead. Right. You know, I think, 
you know, we were right back in that spot, that 3-1. And, and I think there was a sense of urgency um, with this team where I felt like maybe last year, you know, we, we maybe wouldn't say pumped the brakes a little bit, but we, we relaxed a little bit. But this year, I don't think we did that. We went in there um, and, and we were, you know, we were in the fight till, till it was over. Um, and I think that was the clubhouse vibe. Um, you know, those, those, those full, you know, those games, um, and, and to do, you know, I think to finish at home against them, I think that was cool. Cause like I said, same way with Mississippi state fans, I feel like Braves fans are very passionate. They, they love the game. Um, they're going to let you know when you suck and they're going to cheer you on when, when you're great. Um, it's, it's think, a like, tough fan group to be a part of. I'm a part of it, it for is, you and it's tough. <laughs> it is. It is. And like I said, my buddy, Tyler Jordan is the, he's a, the biggest Braves fan ever. Um, and he just, you know, I, I talked to him a bunch. He's like, man, this is, you know, what we did for, for Atlanta. That's all they talk about. Um, but like I said, it's, it's the reason why we have jobs. I think they're awesome. Um, and like I said, to do it, do it there, um, was, was pretty cool. All right, so we're getting on to the World Series, and, you know, I'm obviously watching you at the plate. You don't look nervous at all, but are you nervous? It's the World Series. Yeah, and not not really just because it's the World Series, just because we hadn't seen those guys. Um, we hadn't seen the pitching, um, and I think that played a big part of, you know, a lot of the way the, way the, the series went. Um, you know, you don't see those guys at all during the season, then you see them in the World Series, and, you know, situations like that, everything's amplified, adrenaline's going. Um, and they had some, they had a really good staff. Um, you know, our, our pitching staff, you know, I think they just, you know, came out with the, with the sense of urgency. Um, and we had guys get hot at the right time. It was like, it wasn't one or two guys that did it for us at all. Um, it, you know, it was a different guy every night. Um, and, and I tell, me and Dansby talked about it. I was like, if we would have won, game five in Atlanta, the battery may have burned down. Um, there were so many people. Um, well, and, and to me, it felt, it felt pretty cool to do it in Houston against, you know, to silence their fans. Uh, to me, it was pretty, pretty awesome. Well, well, Daniel, I need you to back me up on this. I said, as the, as the World Series started, I said, I like the games in Houston because of the DH because Solaire would be in the lineup. How much yeah. did that pay off, Daniel? <laughs> yeah, I mean – <laughs> when, when you got a guy like that that you can just insert it's like a bonus you know and to do it after missing a whole series i know that's that's the crazy thing so so obviously i know how excited you were but going back to the the first episode i gotta know because you talk so much about what freddie freeman meant to you and i obviously know what he means to the braves and the braves fans how excited were you for freddie uh you know winning the championship first before i, I even talk about yourself to me, that was like the like coolest for like him and Snit, like because like I said, those guys, you know, they're the leaders of the team. Um, they were they've been there well before I even thought about playing pro ball. Um, and to like I said, to see Freddie get that you know last out, put that ball in his pocket. You know, I think that's something you know he'll <laughs> never forget. Um, but it's, it's pretty cool because like I said, he's. He's one of those guys that just, you know, comes to the, the yard every day. Doesn't matter if he's having a bad day or a good day. He's just, you know, he's going to come in, do his, do his thing, put in his work. Um, and, and like I said, the way he plays the game to me is the, the ultimate professional. Um, I don't think he plays the game the, the, 
the wrong way at all. Um, and just, you know, the, the little things that he does, he pick, I know he's picked me up a lot at first base. Uh, I think the last couple of weeks I, I hit him in the shin every time on <laughs> it over there. Um, but no, he's, he's, so, he's so good. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully he's, he's back with us for, you know, five or six more years. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's something they got to do. And obviously we're not going to get into to all that, though, but I mean, it's, it, it feels like a no brainer. So, you know, for you, uh, it's an easy answer, but I mean, you know, I, I'll make it a more fun question. Instead of just asking, you know, how awesome was it? I want to know how long it took from the time that you won to how long it took before you thought about being in a deer stand. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't long after. Maybe maybe the next day I was, I was already planning. Um, <laughs> no, it was, you know, it really didn't sink in until we did the parade. Um, just seeing all those fans, I mean, there were thousands, and I mean, it just uh, it just crazy to see how many fans. Like we were getting drilled with beer cans in our chest. Sure <laughs> Josh Tomlin got drilled in the head with one. Um, so they were, it, it was pretty cool. And they were, like I said, the fan. Like I said, I feel spoiled because I've only been in the league for three years, and I got a World Series under my belt. Um, but it's you know just the the people that have come before before me is is what's kind of you know, cool as you, you know, as you step back and look at it all. Yeah. No. Hey, Jim. Hmm. Hey, Jim. So we go to see, see Austin play. I take my dad and Cameron over Cameron's home. Uh, after he got back from the Cape, we take him over there and I haven't, I've never gone to watch Austin play. We kind of stay away. From, you know, my dad goes, um, and, but, but we, Austin's got a job to do. So we try to, stay away. Cameron's really, really funny about that. Austin will tell you. But anyway, we go over there. I told my dad, I said, you want to go watch Austin play? And I can't remember. I think it was right before the playoffs, I think, Austin. And uh, we go over there. And so I told him after the game, I said, look, we'd like to take you to lunch tomorrow, if that's okay. He goes, yeah, can we make it 11 o'clock? I got to be in a deer stand after <laughs> after lunch. <laughs> it may have been when you, it was when you um, actually clinched the pit, uh, when you clinch yeah i was actually that's the, that's the afternoon yeah. i killed yeah. that eight point we were we yeah. had an off day that day and they yeah. were getting out of town yeah. um <laughs> so i was like hey man because y'all want to do like one o'clock i was like hey can we make like 11 <laughs> that's why look we we've had people try to tell us that you know when do you think austin will be the same guy when he gets paid or what if he ends up at the yankees and i was like I'm going to tell you right now, Austin's going to be the same guy as like it's baseball family and hunting. And I said, I promise you, he's going to do everything in his power to not go to somewhere like L.A. or New York or anything. He wants to be in Atlanta, first of all, but he's got to be somewhere where he can get to a deer stand ASAP. Hey, I tell you, I will not be buying fancy cars, three or four houses. I'll be buying hunting land. There you go. There you go. <laughs> get you some land over there next to Greg. I hear he owns like half of central Mississippi. He's got a lot of near Charleston. All right, Cameron, you've been waiting long enough, brother. But, you know, you're a two-time guest. We figured we had you on here enough. But, uh, you know, we saved the best for last is what it really comes down to. Uh, you and Hatcher came on here, man. Y'all talked about you had what it took to not only get back to Omaha, but to win a national championship. And clearly y'all ended up correct. But, you know, I'm going to start with the same question that I asked. And, and obviously your dad, Greg, touched on a little bit. You know, slow start to the season. You transition from shortstop to third base. Talk to us about that first. Um, I think uh, just at shortstop, I kind of 
I guess I didn't handle the pressure of being, you know, the starting shortstop at Mississippi State my first year. Um, you know, I guess first real year playing in front of, um, you know, big crowds like that. So, yeah, I didn't handle that as well as I should have. So I moved to third. Um, and then after the first game of me being at third, our one of our third basemen, um, he left the team. So then it kind of stuck for Lane to stay at shortstop and who's probably the best shortstop in the country, in my opinion. And then I went to third. Um, third's a lot different than shortstop just because you have a – it's it's more reaction, less thinking. I think at shortstop I'd catch myself, you know, um, kind of thinking about the – like as the ball is coming to me, I'd be more worried about, you know, not making an error than I would just playing the game. And so um, I didn't really, I guess, handle everything as well as I should have. But, um, you know, I definitely think – that's where experience comes into play. I think I definitely learned a lot, kind of how to like how to handle the the game and the atmosphere, and kind of slow the game down. I mean, I think it's a blessing in disguise because you just talked about it. You know, Lane is is probably the best defensive shortstop, and then once you got comfortable at third, you know, you held it down. You know, and so when you add the two of y'all in, and you're able to get him in defensively and keep uh, obviously your bat in the lineup because you you're holding it at third, I think it it worked out for the best. But you know, you talked about. Um, the atmosphere and everything. Let's talk about the the SEC schedule as a whole. I mean, what a gauntlet, you know, the every once you get into play every single series, there's not an easy one, you know, just talk about the SEC grind and just how difficult it really is. Yeah, um, definitely the toughest baseball I've, I've ever played, especially, you know, coming off a of COVID year, you had uh, players that should have been graduated or players that should have, you know, been a professional baseball or, um, somewhere else, you know, they're still in the bullpen. So not only do you have the best players starting for certain teams, like the best pitchers on the mound starting, but you also have some of the best guys from the year before that should have been done that are still in the bullpen. So it's it's not – which I didn't get to play in, in the SEC, you know, before last year, but um, I know from like Rowdy and TA and some of them, like Rowdy said it was straight up the, the hardest SEC year he's ever played. Just because, you know, in the past you would have you'd have loaded Friday night starters, loaded Saturday starters, and then um, and then the back end of the bullpen, it was kind of like, you know, you may have had a couple good arms, but you kind of had to figure it out. You had younger, inexperienced guys going in, the, in there to throw. That just really wasn't the case this year, which made it a lot harder. But um, I, it's it's definitely a grind. Uh, it's a lot a lot tougher than I I'll say I expected. I guess I underestimated it a little bit, but um, once you get through it, I guess you can't really trade experience. So um, next year we have a lot of guys that have, that have already been through it and played in it and, you know, had some success in it and got to play in the national championship and win. So um, I guess how much more experience can you ask for? Absolutely. So let me ask you, you know, like the, the parallels between you and Austin, you know, him not being a natural third baseman and end up at third base and then you end up at third base and then the slow starts and everything, and, you know, a lot of the, the negative backlash y'all to take, but, um, you know, sticking with that same line, you know, the way the Braves were kind of doing, and, you know, I don't know if you know this, but your dad told me I wasn't allowed to come back to, uh, to duty noble after the Missouri series, but facing that kind of adversity where, you know, you lose to a team, like that and then obviously the struggles in the in the SC championship how do you as a team stick together and know that you still are capable of winning this thing and you have the guys you have the talent and the and that grind mentality to to overlook those bad series and move on 
Um, I mean, it was kind of weird, even though Missouri came in and took two out of three. We got run rolled at, you know, in Hoover. Um, we never really were worried about the fact that we had lost the series. It was kind of like, you know, why do we play so bad, even though we, we still understood that we thought we were the best team in the country the whole time. Um, we, we knew we had a really good team. So I don't think we ever took those losses and said, um, you know, well, we're not, we're not good enough to win it. It was just kind of like, well, I guess I'd rather get them out of the way now and then kind of hit your stride in the, in the postseason. Who was more instrumental, like, in getting y'all back focused? Was it Lamonis or was it those, those older guys like, like T.A. and Rowdy you were talking about? Um, uh, the coaching staff, like Lamonis, they do a good job, um, I guess, uh, kind of guiding us. They're, I think they're real players, coaches, you know, really good to play for. But it's definitely the, the older guys, the guys like Tanner Allen and Rowdy Jordan um, and some of those guys that have, that have been there so many times, they know. And, you know, I feel like we look to – players look to the older players, I think, maybe a little bit more than the coaches just because you're in the locker room with them, you're closer to them, you have relationships with them. And, you know, um, when you kind of see them go about things a certain way, that's kind of what creates a culture. And I think um, once we kind of followed – you know, their lead and, and saw how people do it at Mississippi State and kind of that culture and that example they set. Um, it just, you know, it kind of lets you relax a little bit and say, well, they've done it. They know what it takes. Um, you know, you can just kind of follow them a little bit. Yeah. So I want to ask you specifically, you know, you talk about the atmospheres, but this time you are at home for the Super Regionals and, you know, Notre Dame and y'all set the attendance record. I mean, What's it like to be a player on the field when the dude is rocking like that? Yeah, um, that first, I think it was Saturday night. I think we got the Saturday, Sunday, Monday against Notre Dame. But I remember running out um, for that game, and I couldn't help but just grin. I looked at Lane, kind of like, how awesome is this? It was definitely one of the coolest experiences I've ever been a part of, um, besides probably the – um, championship series in Omaha itself, but because I can just remember watching Keegan when they played Stanford, and that was the most packed out game I'd ever been to at Duty Noble, and then to actually play and kind of look around, and it's so loud, you smell the grills, you see the smoke, not a single seat um, is empty, there's four to five, you know, there are four to five people deep in the standing room under the concourse, so it was, you know, I guess everything I imagined it would have been. Greg, were they kind of one and the same? I mean, both atmospheres that the Cameron's referring to with Keegan? Oh, absolutely, yes. That That's a uh, Stanford uh, series. I don't know if you remember. So when we won, I don't remember if we beat them in two or we took – I think we beat them in two. And Mac hit the home run uh, just literally to put it away and the umpire gets mad at him because he's – He's kind of looking and trying to get the crowd up. The umpire's like, run, run. It's it's a funny video if you go back and watch it. But that crowd was electric that night. And then you look at you look at Notre Dame came in as the number one fielding team in America and made four errors in one game and maybe one in each of the other two. And it, it was both of those crowds, it's unbelievable how electric they are. And you literally just have to pinch yourself that that you've got a kid out there too, or a young man out there, out there playing. And yes, it's, it's Cameron's right. It's, it's neat. So in that series, Cameron, you know, I, I, I want to, I want to 
fun note, but it's a negative note. But we talked to Logan Tanner about it, and we talked to Landon Sims about it. Has the the ball that the the Greek god, as they called him from Notre Dame, <laughs> has it landed yet? Um, no shot. No. <laughs> Still but in orbit. That's the <laughs> yeah. That's the furthest ball I've ever seen hit ever, and uh, we'll never let Landon live that down. I think Coach Lamontis referred to it at least <laughs> ten times this fall. So. Yeah, no, uh, and that's the best part is Landon laughs about it. I mean, I guess when you don't ever give up home runs, and if you're going to give up one, I mean, let it go to the moon, right? So, um, but, you know, y'all get to Omaha, and if there's anything I've learned about you, it's, I mean, you're the most business person I've ever met. Like, you're smiling now, but a lot of times it's all business. You talk about how, or even Greg talked about how he couldn't get a hold of you, and I, I heard stories from your teammates about how you're just constantly working, 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 grinding. When you got to Omaha, did you have that business mentality or did you actually take it all in that you were in Omaha and have a little fun with it? Um, I, I have to say I had a lot of fun with it, but um, I think kind of you had a certain attitude for, I guess, a certain day. Like if it was a practice day or we were like, I guess, doing a photo shoot in the dugout or um, just getting to do a practice day, um, kind of a light day on the field. I think that's where you enjoyed it and kind of tried to, you know, I guess take it all in and, you know, let reality, you know, kind of set in for you. But then when it was time to play the game, um, I, I think I was probably pretty locked in. But I will say I took plenty of moments to stand out there and, and kind of, you know, realize where I was at and um, kind of the crowd and the atmosphere. So um, I allowed myself to, to you know, take it all in but at the same time when I was out on the field I was definitely locked in well as I've told you you know many 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 times and and your dad as well um I mean that's the most fun dad father-son experience I've ever had my son says it's better than Disney it's very universal I mean if if you remember correctly we watched you beat um Texas and Virginia and we left and Greg told me you got to come back and which is kind of ironic considering he told me I wasn't allowed back in the dude again when y'all lost to Missouri. But now he's telling me I got to come back. But uh, obviously I did. E even staying um, that Texas, the when you played them again uh, and y'all played till, I want to say, 1.45 a.m. in 13 innings. And that's probably, you know, for all the negative, you know, we, you know, Austin was talking about, you know, the way Atlanta and Mississippi State fans can be. For all the negative things I've seen, um, when I look at that game and I see that, 5,000 plus Mississippi State fans stayed there till one in the morning. And when y'all started to rally the way they were chanting, I mean, I, it sounded like 15,000. Like, how, how cool was that, even that y'all took a loss that night? Um, I mean, it's, it's obviously cool. We, I do know we have the, the most caring fans in the country. They, like Austin said about the Braves, they definitely um, care about our program. And they really do. They care about the players a lot. They want to see you have success. But, um, I think one of the main reasons, um, you know, they're they're so hard on you is because of how much they they care about it and want the program to have success. And they've come so close to you know winning the national championship and and could almost you know gr reach out and grab it in 2019, 2013. So um, you know, for them to stay, I think it was 1:30 in the morning. It was raining. We had had like a two-hour delay. Um, but, True confession. You know, just... I only stayed because Cade Smith was coming out, and I was like, "Man, I'm all the I'm all the way out here in Omaha. I got to watch Cade." But it almost, you know, y'all got two men on and started to rally, and I actually thought it was going to pay off in a in a W, to be honest. 
but you know, I talk talk to all your teammates because we've had you know Landon and Houston and Logan on past that. They all said even after y'all lost to Texas, y'all never felt like for a second that y'all were going to lose that next game to them. Yeah, in the locker room afterwards, you like you wouldn't have even known we lost. It was it was calm, like everybody was still kind of cutting up. You know, it wasn't everybody was relaxed. It wasn't like oh no, we're we're facing elimination. It was kind of like like well. They got a place again tomorrow. Good luck. It was kind of like that attitude. So, um, like I said about losing the series to Missouri in the SEC tournament, it just – we never felt like anybody was better than we were and, and that we were kind of – that we were out of it, even if we had lost, you know, the weekend before, the day before, or the day of. It's, it's just kind of like we, we knew that we could beat anybody on any given day. You know, it was kind of more they got lucky that they happened to beat us. Yeah, we had the three Tennessee players on that got drafted, and they all three across the board said, I immediately told Greg this, they said once they were eliminated, they all picked y'all to win. They felt, and, that, and that's saying something. When your peers say they felt like y'all were the best team remaining in that tournament, um, I think that says a lot. And that's a team that run-ruled you, right? And yet they feel yeah. like y'all, y'all were the best team, and so clearly they ended up being right. So you got Vanderbilt, and, uh, you know, obviously the first game didn't go right – you know, but the first at bat did, and I happened to <laughs> do. We sat in every part of that ballpark, literally, and we happened to be in left field bleachers when you decided that you were going to hit that bomb that way. It was it was about fifteen feet over. If my son could have climbed through the people, I think he would have snatched it from whoever got it. But unfortunately, we were kind of kind of buried. But how? I mean, you know, we keep talking about how did it feel? How did it feel? But I mean, hitting a bomb and you're opening at bat in the College World Series—that's something. Hey, one thing, Cameron, before I turned to Dan's, I was like, yeah, that's my cousin, bro. Watch out. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. But that was the coolest baseball experience for me, hands down, um, not even close. Because uh, I had, you know, the, the jitters of, you know, that very first game, that first at bat. I was, I was nervous. Um, you know, you had the best pitcher in college baseball pitching, one of the best pitchers probably that ever pitched in college baseball. Um, it was kind of – I got into a good count, and, you know, to be honest with you, I literally – I know Jack Leiter's going to throw me a fastball down the middle to hit just because nobody can hit it. And it was 3-1, and I, I told myself, I'm swinging regardless. Even if he spikes at 40 feet, it will be a strike because I'm swinging at it. And and he threw me a good pitch, and I hit it. And, you know, 24,000 of those fans at um, TD Ameritrade were ours, and it was it was loud. Uh, it was It was incredible. Um, probably like as many fans watch me as Austin's every single home run he's ever hit <laughs> has 24,000 people. So it's not that great to him, but it was definitely awesome for me. It was, it was that great. He, he was bragging hey. to his teammates. I'm, yeah, I'm picking it. Oh, our whole team was, our yeah, our whole team was watching the clubhouse. So I was, but it kind of, it kind of gets, uh, <clears throat> you know, when they, when they show all the highlights and all that, it kind of gets pushed under the rug. That home run is not in any of the highlights just because, you know, that game did not, turn out anywhere close to how we wanted to so it gets overshadowed a little bit but I'll I'll always remember it so which is funny because Logan Tanner came on here and he said after you hit that bomb he actually felt like y'all were going to roll after that and so he never that's, thought yeah, about that's how yeah coach Gotro everybody you know I've talked to coach Gotro multiple times about it that um when I hit that it was kind of like oh wow like we're about to we're about to do it and you know that game didn't go out you know didn't go the way we wanted it to but like I was saying earlier it we we it was surprising even to me 
you know, to see the attitude that, that our team had because we lost game one to Vanderbilt and it was just like, there's no way they can beat us twice in a row. They've already beaten us, you know, three out of the last four times they played us, you know, they're not, they can't beat us twice in a row again. So. Well, um, I felt like the pitching matchups and, you know, and we'll, we'll get that in a second. I actually want, I want to ask Austin something because, you know, you were talking about, you got to watch it and I was going to ask if you got to watch it, you know, Austin, you, you talked about on your, your first episode about you got, and got the Mississippi state experience, you know, through, you know, your wife now, but wasn't your wife then. Um, did you find yourself wishing you would have kind of went to a, a college and went to a college world series when you're watching that atmosphere and getting to watch Cam do what he's doing? Oh yeah. You definitely wanted to experience. Cause like I said, like there was obviously a packed house, but I think, you know, so many people were watching on TV. Um, you know, you had guys when we'd go out for stretch in between games, talking about it with other teams. So, I mean, it's just like, it's a huge talk of, of the town um, anywhere you go. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you definitely want to want to check that off, off your list. Um, and, and I hope Cameron wins a, wins a world series at, at some point uh, down the road. And then, you know, he'll be able to be like, Hey man, I got, I got a college world series and a world series. So there, there you go. So, I mean, y'all's, y'all's ring count is starting to get high. I swear. I didn't even um, think about the fact that Dansby was, went to Vanderbilt and he was watching Vandy. So I didn't you put the two together right there. Yeah, he would – every time I'd be like, yeah, so what you got on this game? He'd be like, bro, you didn't go there. All right, so game two and three, like you said, can't lose them twice in a row. With Hootie on the mound, you know, you got you got to feel good about – because uh, they were going with the bullpen game. And then, um, obviously, with Will Bednar, game three. So, we know the confidence is there. It's all about y'all putting the hitting together. And, uh, man, hitting – did y'all? I mean, let's just go to let's just go to game three as y'all are just absolutely teeing off. Like, uh, you know, talking to those guys, they they said they knew it was over. Like in the third inning, did you kind of feel the same way, or were you still like hesitant to get too excited? Um, I was hesitant until Kellen Clark hit his home run. <laughs> so, uh, I I wasn't very comfortable. I guess I, what was it six to nothing, but um. I guess anytime Will's on the mound, you're you're pretty confident that you could keep a lead. But um, I guess knowing that it had one, you know, one game or six more innings left to win a national championship, there was no way I was going to let myself, you know, kind of get out of it and relax a little bit when it was so close. But once once it got to nine to nothing, I think in like the sixth or seventh inning. I more turned to enjoying the moment rather because I did really feel like, you know, there's no way they're coming back. So that's when I took more of the time to kind of look around, embrace the moment and kind of really kind of see what's going on. I'm, I'm a very pessimistic person. And so even with Bednar on the mound, I still didn't feel comfortable, but once Landon Sims came in the game, you know, I was like, okay, like this is, this is real. They're fixing, they're fixing to win it all. But Greg, I got a question for you because you're the stats guy. And I think you told me this already. I want to confirm. You know, a lot of people talk about that Kellen Clark home run. Did you not tell me that that Cam's home run exited the park fat, uh, harder than than Kellum's? I feel like if it wasn't you, somebody did. No, it, it wasn't me because I don't exactly know what either one of them were. But you know, so the I, reason I bring that up is because somebody said that Kel, 
it was in the fan page and they said Kellen Clark hit the the hardest home run in the World Series and then um you know somebody Is had, that the had one debated the right it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They the both got out in a hurry. They both yeah. got out in a hurry, yeah, but I don't I don't know what they were. Yeah. Usually you got these stats, man. You're failing me. I, I know. I'm I'm so you know, I was kind of like Cameron. I, I was really uh starting to get a little teary-eyed about that time, just to be quite honest with you, because because like I say, you, you love the program so much. And and I met my wife there, you know, met Mike there. Um, it, it's, it's just a unique, really unique moment. And, and then to watch your son do it, you, you, get, you get emotional. And so about that time, I probably had some tears in my eyes and didn't, didn't see. I don't have a clue what either one of them, <laughs> either, either one of them were hit. All right, so last question for you, Cam, and I'll turn you all over to Daniel. You know, uh, you got to make the last out, and not as in getting out of that, but as in throwing the last out. I mean, to be able to do that in that moment, like what's going through your throwing your going through your head as you're throwing that ball to first? Uh, well, actually, what was going through my head was don't throw it. He's going to be <laughs> so safe. Um, and, I, I mean – he probably, yeah, wouldn't he'll forever be out. So um, I'm not going to say he was safe, but I think, I guess I wanted to make the last out and I knew the, you know, the moment it was because I was literally running up to the ball thinking this guy just bunted. I'm about to just pick it up and have no chance to make the play. And then I just decided the heck with it. I'll just throw it as hard as I can over there. If he's out, he's out. If he's safe, he's safe. And the umpire called him out and, I guess now I can forever say I got the last out of our first national championship. So there you go. And then right into the dog pile. That's right. So guys, before we have a little fun with the game, I got to ask, and Austin, I'll start with you. Um, Obviously we're all baseball fans. We all know the, the current uh, climate of major league baseball and what's going on. Um, You know, with the baby on the way, what are what are you looking forward to for next year? What are your expectations? Um, and are how do you block out all the drama that's going on with Major League Baseball and stay focused on, on really coming back and, and trying to replicate what you did last season? You know, I think you just got to, you know, stick to your plan, stick to your routine, stick to what you've done and, you know, and, and off season past. Um, and even going into spring, um, you know, the biggest thing that I think I've ever taken from our manager, Snit, is, you know, there's always somebody coming up behind you trying to take your job. And, and coming into spring, your job isn't one day one of spring. It's one the last day of spring. Um, so I think, you know, that's the mentality that I have going in. Um, and, and just, you know, being able to, you know, I feel like I have a – pretty good routine from a, from a hitting standpoint, uh, you know, going into spring that I know if I can just get back to my cues, um, you know, iron a few things out because, you know, this much time off, there's always going to be something um, that, you know, I think I'll be able to, you know, be able to put those numbers up consistently uh, again. Um, and, and, you know, with the, with the baby coming, it's going to be, you know, a different challenge, but I tell my wife all the time, I don't sleep ever. Um, I, I I go to I go to bed late. I wake up super early, um, so I mean I don't I don't think that's going to be an issue for as far as you know crying baby in the middle of the night. I'll just you know be be my normal 
normal routine. So, uh, so we'll, we'll see how it goes, but I, I'm anxious to see, you know, to go through that. Um, and like I said, with this kind of what's going on right now, you just got to, you know, take it with a grain of salt and, and prepare like you're going to have, you know, a full, a full season. Absolutely. Now, Cameron, obviously, when you choose to go to Mississippi State, you know what the expectations are from season to season. Um, obviously, you, you guys win your first. You know how difficult it is to do it all over again. Um, but how do you how do you match expectations for doing it again? And what's the message that coach gave you guys in the fall in regards to you know trying to replicate the season from last year? Um, you know, I think you know how you go about doing it again is just preparing the same way you did last year. Don't try to do, you know, I guess don't get complacent with the fact that you just won. And, you know, uh, you know, the fans are all riding a high, you're riding a high, you know, just because you did something that nobody there's ever done. Um, but I think you just prepare the same way you go out there and, you know, understand that it's a new year. What happened last year, you know, you don't, it, it doesn't really matter all that much um, when it, when it comes to the new season. Um, because those fans, you know, when when that game comes, they're going to be worried about, you know, how you played that day and did you win. They're not going to be saying we lost today, but we won a national championship last year. So um, I think, you know, you kind of prepare the same way you, you prepared this year. Um, you kind of and take the experiences you had and, you know, the failure and the success and kind of the lessons that come with it. And, you know, I guess it makes you, you know, able to handle, you know, what, what comes for, you know, like the next year. Um, you handle that better, you know, than you would have previously just from the experience. But as far as Coach Lamonis, I kind of like what I just said. It's understanding that last year was last year and this year is this year. Um, we got – I mean, you win it last year. You worked hard to win it last year. Worked twice as hard this year to, you know, to win it again. So um, just the complacency, the complacency piece, you know, don't don't allow yourself to relax just because of what happened. You know, keep, keep working hard and – you know, you know, do the things, you know, you know, you got to do, you know, to get it done again. Yeah, man. So, you know, I, I tell Jim this all the time. You're the champ until somebody beats you. The only problem with being the champ is you now have the target on your back and everybody is hungry and everybody wants to beat you. So um, I can't think of two better guys that are going to, you know, exceed expectations when that target's on their back than you two guys. So we're, we're looking forward to another big season with you guys and, and, and we wish you guys the best of luck, but um, yeah, man. But before we go, we're, we got to play our game. We got to play this or that. Um, it, it's good. <laughs> Greg, Mike, you get to be involved. We've revamped the questions. So um, to make this easy, we'll, we'll, I'll ask you, a question. It'll be a this or that question. It's very simple. Uh, you pick one option or the other. You don't say both. You don't say neither. You got to stick to your guns and pick one of the two options. So I will start with Mike, then I'll go to Austin, then I'll go to Greg, and then I'll finish up with Cameron for every question. So here we go, guys. Let's run through these. Mike, I'll start with you. What's worse, doing the laundry or doing the dishes? Uh, doing the dishes. Oh, man, the dishes. Austin, what's worse, laundry or dishes? 
Uh, laundry. I hate folding. Man, I tell you what. Wait till you have a kid, brother. You <laughs> think laundry's bad now? It's a it's an hour long process. Like, well, my wife. I don't fold to her standard, so I fold and then she refolds. See you. <laughs> Y'all ain't got time for that anymore. Y'all gonna have to figure figure out how to fold that stuff. So, so Greg, laundry or dishes? Laundry. What's, laundry. Cameron, what's worse, laundry or dishes? Dishes. Man, we got two laundries, two dishes. Man, I'll. Here's what I'll tell you. I don't mind doing the laundry, even though it takes a while. I hate doing the dishes, even though I don't mind it. I just hate doing the dishes because I'm. Like, I feel like the dishwasher is aggravating to me because it won't let you stack things symmetrically in it. So you got stuff on top that needs to, like, fit a certain way, and it won't. It, it's just a mess. So I, I feel your pain on, on, on both ends, guys. So next question, Mike, is a hot dog a sandwich? Yes or no? No. <laughs> Austin. Baseball guy, been in no. lots of parks. No, no, it's its own category. Greg, hot dog a sandwich? Yes or no? No. Cameron, hot dog a sandwich? Yes or no? No. But Daniel, I, the key I, is the key is he said it's its own category. So I need you to then go to the hamburger thing. So is a it, Mike is a is a hamburger a sandwich? Yes. No hamburger. <laughs> no. Greg, Greg, is a hamburger a sandwich? No. Cameron, is a hamburger a sandwich? Yeah. We got two and two on everything. How is a hamburger not a sandwich? The only way it's as a sandwich is if you put sandwich bread on it as a bun. That's right. I agree, Austin. If you use a bun, it's a it's its own category. A hot dog's a hot dog. A burger is a burger. That's right. But that's a, it's a form of a sandwich a burger is a form of a sandwich i, I agree with you Cam, I, I agree <laughs> like like you. like if you're going to get a chicken sandwich from chick-fil-a it has buns on it it doesn't have sandwich that's it doesn't exactly have sandwich bread. Right. hey that's true i do like that and the popeyes which is the hottest chicken sandwich around that's, a, <laughs> that's on a bun i mean yeah what do you call that like it's, it's called a chicken sandwich well, that's right i don't eat chicken sandwiches. sandwiches they have them also oh, i know you eat chicken sandwiches Oh, you got to, man, right? Come on now. It's uh I feel like in today's society, the chicken sandwich, like everybody's trying to reinvent and make the the fanciest chicken sandwich there is. I agree. Um, I, I, I think we're at a point where I think we need Maybe to stop. Yeah, we need to stop with the chicken sandwich. At I least agree. at least for now. Uh maybe we should bring back the hot dog. Bring it back. <laughs> All right, uh, cardio or weights, Mike? Cardio or weights? In terms of what, cardio, running on treadmill or lifting weights? Uh, lifting weights. Austin, would you rather do cardio or do weights? Weights. Greg, cardio or weights? Weights. Cameron, are you going to be a cardio weights. guy? <laughs> weights, not close. Definitely not that Versa climber for sure. Who all, who all wears their shoes in this conversation? That's what I need to know. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it hurts my heart. That's a, that's a damn shame. Mm. All right. 
Mike, is a spork more of a spoon or more of a fork? Uh, repeat that. <laughs> is a spork. <laughs> you know, you ever seen the half spoon, half fork? It's okay. got like a little. Yep, yep, okay. Is, is it? Is it more of a spoon or more of a fork? A spoon. Okay. Awesome. More of a spoon or fork? More of a Greg. spoon. Cameron. Spoon. Yeah, I, I agree. This question, I, I only ask it because I'm waiting for that one person to blow my mind and say it's more of a fork. I'd rather eat I'd rather I, I eat with my how. hands. I'd rather eat with my hands than eat with a spork. Well, I'm think about you. it. Think about it. You can't eat soup with a fork. You can't with true. a spork. Very true. <laughs> I always tell you that Greg is wise, Daniel. That's literally what I thought when I thought of that. I thought of eating soup with it, and you can't. I mean, you can because it's more of a spoon. That's right. There you go. All right, guys, last question. This is becoming one of our, our favorite questions to ask. Mike, I'll start with you. Would you rather spend five years in jail or 10 years in a coma. Five years in jail, 10 <laughs> years in a coma. Five, five years in jail. <laughs> Austin. Uh, depends on what jail, I guess five years. <laughs> Greg. I'm, I'm with Austin, I'm, I'm gonna take a nap. <laughs> I'm gonna go to with the coma. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. Cam, what do you what are you taking? Coma. Yeah. See, see, uh, you need to have a, a talk with your buddies, Cameron, because they come on the show and just flat out lie to people and be like, "I'll take jail," and I'm like, "No, you wouldn't." No, uh, I don't think I I do well in jail. We had a no. top ten Bellator fighter come on here and say the coma i've been to jail and that ended that for me like i was like if that yeah, dude yeah. doesn't want jail i don't want jail either right i'm 100 percent with greg give me the the nap i'll wake up and figure it out i ain't going to jail that ain't for me i don't even have to know what goes on and i know that ain't for me <laughs> so austin cameron anything you guys want to plug or promote i'm good same here. All things right. history. That's that's right. You got to get it, man. Put it out there, Austin. Those are your boys. I know they're the best. Yeah, I I I feel like I don't know. I feel like I'm gonna see you in a hunting video one day. I'm just gonna flip it on like the outdoor channel, and I'm gonna see you on this hunt, and everybody's gonna be whispering, and they're gonna be like, "Yeah, this was the last day. The conditions were really perfect." You know, we really had to get in. It, you know, it was the last day of the hunt. Like, I, I, I feel like that's you. You got any any aspirations to be on, on a on a video? Yeah. Nice. That guy's like the face of real tree. What are you talking about? He's on video. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you a couple links. All right, look, I gotta check that out, man. Hey, hey Daniel, I do got a question for these boys before they go. Uh, I, I seen a video first of all of Austin singing. I don't know if he even knows it's out there at the Morgan Wallen concert. Oh yeah. Do you do you know that? Yes, yes. Uh, a friend of a friend of mine filmed you uh, singing, and then I seen uh, Cameron on Twitter. Guys, I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, my wife wanted me to ask this question because I actually went with her to to Cinderella, which was over at the Lander Center at the same time, and. It was a packed house for that Morgan Wallen concert. And I don't even know who that is. 
And then I hear the dude's got three straight nights of concerts. So, man, like, help me out. I don't, I guess, I one, I don't listen to country, but, like, is he that big of a superstar that he can put in three nights like that? Yes, for sure. He doesn't write a bad song. He has to check him out. He's pretty good. He talks about hunting and fishing and tractors (laughs) and girls. And I think Hardy's just as good, just about. Yeah, yeah, now the Mississippi State guys, they've all talked about Hardy. I, that's that's something I, I'm more inclined to check out. But it was just, you know, we didn't – it all kind of flowed together. We saw that he was there. We didn't know who he was. And then next thing you know, my social media is breaking out that every one of y'all went to it. And I was like, okay, who is this guy? So, I, apparently, I've been sleeping on something. By the way, Cameron said Hardy had on his Dogs Win Again shirt at the concert. There you go. <laughs> there it is. All right, guys, man, it's – it's been a blast. We've talked for a while. We're going to let you guys bounce. I want to thank thank you guys so much for, for joining us. And as always, you guys are more than welcome to come back. Um, we wish you guys the absolute very best. And, you know, here's to, you know, raising another trophy, man. I, I if, if there's any two guys that I, I root for and wish for that to happen, it's y'all too, man. So if there's Appreciate anything that. we can do for y'all, let us know be more than happy to help plug or promote anything or have you on to talk some more. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, y'all, y'all follow Austin on Instagram at Austin underscore Riley eight or at Braves. You can follow Cameron on Instagram at Cameron James 16 or at hail state BB. We're going to take a break. We're going to plug our sponsors. When we come back, we got some headlines. Have you heard of the bellsmith? If not, you need to check them out. You can find them on Facebook or Instagram. They make the most unique bells. I currently have them making one for me and my son after our trip to Omaha. They are known for making the most unique bells for supporting the Mississippi State Bulldogs. They have a line of game day bells, plus their premium artillery, grand slam, lefty, pirate, swashbuckler, and junction bells. So check them out today and get your custom-made bell. Tattoos have become more of a normal part of society and... You know, one of the things that's a common mistake that people do is they just go anywhere, you know, closest place, maybe whatever's convenient. And a lot of times they get a piece of art that stays on them forever that maybe they don't like so much. So let me help you and eliminate that problem. Go see Jeff Flea Watts. Easy Flea Tattoos. You can find him on Facebook or Instagram, and you can find him at 1731 Dancy Boulevard in Horn Lake. Number is 662-280-0763. Are you new to the gym? Or maybe someone who went to the gym but hasn't been in quite a while? Looking for that specialized training, that motivation, someone who's knowledgeable and can help you, whatever your need may be, whatever your age is, whatever it is you're looking for? Well, Austin Griffin is your guy in Club 4 in Hernando. He can help you in any way, shape, or form. His number is 662-548-4241. Tell him in off the bench sent you. All right, boys. So you know I've struggled with pain. You know I've struggled with weight loss. You know I've struggled with anxiety. And you know I've struggled with sleep. What if I told you there was a place that could help you with all of these things? True Life Dispensary. Pain relief without narcotics. Sleep, weight loss, anxiety relief. You can find this at 117 West Commerce Street in Hernando. Hours, Monday through Friday, 9 to 7, Saturday, 10 to 5. So check them out and get your life turned around.
Welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. We got some headlines for you. Jim, we're going to lead off tonight with NBA. And I just want to, you know, obviously long season. We got a lot to talk about, you know, and with it being so early, give me a quick recap. We'll start with the Eastern Conference. Give me an update on the standings. Give me a recap of of things and, and where we stand today. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that's really uh, changed uh, towards the top is Cleveland has passed Miami, if I'm not mistaken. I believe they just beat them. Yes, they did. So, um, and I believe that's why that change happened. So, Cleveland um, hanging around, surprising some people. Um, But, you know, as far as the rest of the teams, I think the biggest story in the East isn't even about basketball itself. The Chicago Bulls can't even take the court. Um. They actually had to take a couple of losses first before they finally decided to shut this thing down because they didn't even have enough players to play. They had nine guys in the COVID protocol. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. I mean, we're seeing it, too, in the NFL. Like, it's just for some reason the past two weeks now we've seen an increase in COVID cases um, in professional sports. I mean, obviously – if we looked at it across the nation, we probably see the same trend, but, um, you know, any, it, I don't see anything noteworthy in the East, the, the teams that are, you know, one, two, and three are teams that you would expect to be there. The teams, you know, four through six. I mean, obviously you got the, the Cavs there, you got the wizards, but the heat sit there. And then you got, you know, the 76ers and, you know, the Celtics in that seven, eight, but I mean, I think to your point, I think it's, I mean, it's, you know, Cleveland's making a push right now, but I still think ultimately eh, it's, it's those top five, those top four. It really, it really is. But Cleveland has won four in a row. So I don't, I definitely don't want to dismiss them, but let's just say, let's say it ended today, Daniel. I mean, do you, could you, Cleveland beat Miami tonight, but can you see them beating them in a seven game set? I can't. No, no, not at all. Um, I think that's really, you know, really what it comes down to is, you know, those teams four through eight, does it, can they really beat the Nets, the Bulls, or the Bucks? We talked about it. It's only the, maybe the 76ers at full strength. And even still, I mean, the, the, the Sixers have got the same problem they've always had, you know, is the, the Ben Simmons at the point liability, which could be something that's flipped before the trade deadline. But I mean, if you look at it right now, like if they ended in that seven spot, I couldn't see them beating the, the Bulls. I mean, um, as a matter of fact, the Bulls probably, you know, like I said, they lost a couple of games because of COVID. Um, I don't know that they're not even sitting in an even better spot had that not happened. I'm just glad the the NBA said, okay, uh, enough is enough. And on a, you know, on a good note, none of the players, you know, they're testing positive, but none of them are, you know, actually getting real sick or anything. And so that that's a good thing, obviously. Right. So let's, you know, talk to me about the West then. Um, obviously, we had a change and guard at the top, and you know, one, two, and three are what we, you know, are accustomed to seeing. Four, five, six, you know, maybe a little different than what we thought, you know. And seven through ten is, you know, kind of a variety of what we probably would imagine um, it would be. But give me, give me your take on the West. Yeah, no, I mean, those same. And you say three teams, really, you know, Utah's up there. But, I mean, those those two up top, they they can interchange all they want. They're, they're playing leaps and bounds better than 
anyone. And that's why, you know, uh, as somebody who is rooting for the Lakers, unfortunately, um, with, you know, Russ being on that team, when anybody talks about, like, the Lakers and when they get it figured out, and, and I'm tying this together, I don't know that you can figure out either of those two teams. Like, I don't know that any team – like, so the Grizzlies right now, you know, seven and one without jaw red hot. But at the end of the day, like I don't I couldn't see them having a chance either. I, when it comes to those two teams at the top and, you know, shout out to Utah for the second season in a row doing their thing. But I, I don't think when it comes to the playoffs, they're that team either. I think it's those two. And I like, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but we've talked about it. Golden state doesn't even have their other guy yet. They're only going to get better. He's not going to mess. He's not a, a guy who messes up chemistry, right? Like, Clay, Clay will seamlessly fit in. He's a three and D guy. Like, he's going to be great. And then Phoenix, as long as, you know, Chris Paul can stay healthy. And I mean, Booker's Booker and Aiden's Aiden. Like, I mean, those two teams are just so legit. Do you think this, this is the, the year the Suns do it? I mean, I hope so. If, if it's not going to be the Lakers or the Grizzlies because of our rooting interest, I hope so. I feel like I've gotten past any of the negativity I've felt towards Chris Paul. And I really would like to see him get over the hump and do that. And, you know, Booker's just such a, such a great player. Um, he's somebody who um, he, you know, they talk about all the guys who love Kobe, but like Booker had a thing and, you know, he, he was trained and he did a lot, he did a lot of work to, to try to emulate Kobe. And I think the way he scores the basketball, I mean, you know, he's special, and I'd like to see him get one as well. I feel like he he's earned it. And so there's nothing to dislike about that team, and I sure don't want the Warriors. Like, I, I don't I don't hate them now that KD's not there, but I don't want them to win. Like, I hate seeing the same team win. And as far as in the East, if, you know, Milwaukee just won it, and I definitely don't want the Nets to win it. So, I mean, yeah, if we're talking about I'd love to see Phoenix get over the hump, I think they can do it. But like I said, it's always health, right? Chris Paul in the playoffs always gets hurt. It never fails. If he can stay healthy, then I believe they can do it. Yeah, it's it's a easy conversation to have right now when you see them sitting at the number one spot and then playing and really outdueling the Warriors and, and taking over that number one spot. Um, but you're right. It, it really comes down to health. Can they stay healthy for the longevity of the season? Because I think if, if you look at the trend, they'll finish in the top three, I, I would imagine. Um, you know they're going to be in the playoffs. So, like, how healthy can they be going in and how healthy can they be – can they stay throughout it? Um, so, talk to me about the Lakers. Talk to me about Westbrook. Give me a quick update. That's your team. Those are your guys. 15 and 13 right now. They've won two in a row. They're six and four of their last ten. And they're sitting in the sixth spot. Are we, are we getting better, or are we still kind of hanging at that that mediocre to average area? They're hanging in that mediocre to average area. But I got a an interesting note as I've watched them or paid attention to the to the box score. If um, yeah, I don't get to watch it. The Lakers actually win whenever the third guy is missing of the big three. It it really shows that they got three guys that are ball dominant that don't work well together. LeBron and Russ have won the last couple without AD. 
Russ and AD won a few without LeBron. And when the three of them are together, they lose. And that's not what I'm – I'm not pointing the finger at any one player. What I'm saying is there's too many mouths to feed um, when they're there and too many people who want the ball in their hands. And so, ultimately, not only do I think they're mediocre, I don't know how that works because everybody says, well, when they get to full strength, they get to full strength. I watched them full strength in Memphis against Memphis, who was shorthanded, mind you, and – they didn't they didn't impress me they didn't dazzle me at all and as a matter of fact anthony davis was owned i mean i want to say he was blocked four or five times daniel and uh and they had no problem with him that you know lebron got his and then um russ didn't really even shoot that much so and then when you go to bench the lakers bench is uh, something i've always said is key and when you're talking about a team like memphis their depth like even missing players, their bench, you know, comes in and gets it done. And I think that's one of the reasons their depth is why they're, they're beating people is because they're, they got guys who come in and man, they give you everything they got. They give you 120%. And that was what bothered me the most about the game. And that's the reason why I wouldn't pick the Lakers to beat a lot of teams. You know, you asked me mediocre. It's not even just mediocre. They're, they're very arrogant and lazy. I'm watching the Grizzlies win every single 50, 50 ball and the Lakers not put in the hustle. And and so they deserved everything they got in the grindhouse. Well, and, I mean, we can go there now. Like, the Grizzlies, they've won three in a row. They just won tonight. They're eight and two of their last ten. And they're, they're playing good basketball without John Morant. And I think you said it yourself. They're, they're winning 50-50 balls. They're, they're getting after it. But I think the depth of the bench, those guys coming in off the bench are are playing out of their mind and playing really hard. But it's defense really that that's that's locking folks down and helping them win games. Am I am am I wrong by saying that? No, you're correct. And and that's the thing. Okay, so when Ja comes back, you know, offensively you're not gonna take a hit, but defensively you will. So some way or another, um you got to figure out a way to keep that defense going even when he comes back because it's, you know, it's increased significantly. And everybody knows that Jaw's not some, you know, crazy great perimeter defender, but um, you don't want to lose that edge that you've got right now defensively for sure. Yeah, it's, I will say, uh, I'm not worried when Jaw comes back. I mean, obviously you want your best player to come back. You want your leading scorer to come back. Um, but I will say that they need to be strategic in how they move forward when he does come back, because whatever recipe they have right now is working. So hopefully you can insert him into that recipe and it continues to work. But man, let's let's transition over to college basketball. And I, I'll tell you this, um, you know, I was I was high on Purdue. So I was high on Duke for Gonzaga one week, and they lost. They ended up losing two. Then I got high on Duke, and then they lost. Then I got high on Purdue, and then they lost. <laughs> now Baylor sits atop. I don't think I don't think Baylor's going to. Do, I don't think Baylor's going to do it to you, man. I think I think you're safe on this one. Yeah, and just I I was able to watch them play for about a half, and man, they they're good. They're flat good. They they're I said it already once. I'm gonna say it again. 
you're the chance until somebody beats you. And so far, nobody wants any of that smoke. But speaking of that smoke, man, we got to talk about the Memphis Tigers. And I, I don't know whether to be excited that they got the number six team in the nation coming in or if I should be a little bit, you know, on edge and a little bit worried. How are you feeling? <laughs> well, if I was to go by, I mean, dude, I am flabbergasted. The ESPN Power Index has Memphis as a 53% chance to win. I'm trying to figure out what team. How? I'm trying to figure I'm looking at it. I like I, I like I refreshed it to, to figure out, you know, uh, am I losing, you know, my vision? Look, there it is. You got it right in front of you. I, I don't know what team that they've seen. I get Memphis is at home, but like you said, Alabama's number seven. Memphis is losing every game. Um, I, I'm we're four I, and one at home, and that one loss was to a Murray State team that we were up by fourteen at half, and then turned around and, and well, that's where by seven. Like I don't. This I this don't is where I can. You know, I have done everything I can to not attack Penny. I have yet still to date to do it, but I'm finally going to do it because I didn't get to watch the game. But then I got to hear all the analysis from local radio, and then I seen it in the stat box. Why right, would so you start start with this? What is local radio saying? Okay, so it goes back to the rotations, and they said you were up 14 and a half, and yet you went away from the rotations that you had in the first half that were working. Why, why does Penny try, you know, almost getting cute? Like, like, I know he's, I know that's not what he's doing, but like, I mean, mixing it up all the time and putting this guy in and then, you know, they talk about why every first, you know, um, timeout does he got a sub and three guys where most coaches in America they did a, an analysis breakdown don't do their first substitution till seven and a half minutes in like I don't know why he does the things he does and so I can't let him off the hook anymore um, he's a living legend to me you know grew up going to his camp but I can't do it anymore man like I like and and frankly so you ask about local radio they're not doing it anymore man they they've had enough like you know, we thought this wasn't going to be what it was when the Wiseman team came through. And, you know, the difference was Wiseman ended up not playing. And so, you know, projections not didn't meet what they were supposed to. This was going to be different. This team was actually going to be legit. And now they're legitimately not a tournament team. Yeah. And if they don't win at least one of the next two, they're going to lose a lot of faith in what they can do in conference play. And that chance of uh, we don't win our conference, we don't win our conference tournament, and we get an at-large bid into the tournament that's out the window. Like, I almost think regardless of whether – like, you would have to win the next two to be and, in that conversation. Right, and so – and, and finish first in the conference and then get upset in the conference tournament. So you asked me if I was excited – and the answer is going to actually be yes, not because of what I've seen on the court, because this is the best case scenario to stop the bleeding, um, not in the sense of the caliber of team you're playing, but if you can pull off a victory, beating the number six team is a good way to get everybody from, you know, 
wanted to absolutely – I mean, like, I mean, there are fans that were calling in. I don't know. I hate when they do the call-in stuff because everybody calls in and just complains, 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 and says the same thing over and over again. But there's there's people talking about they're not excited to go to the game tomorrow because they feel like they're going to get ran out the gym. Um, I know me and you wouldn't be the same way. We'd absolutely be in there. But I'd have my white shirt on, and I would be there supporting because me, like you, it don't it don't matter. Like I try to I try to live like when the ga- when it's game time, I try to live in that moment and not worry about what has happened or transpired previous to. You see it in every so, sport. Anybody, I mean, you know, the, the term is any given Sunday, but any given day period in sports, anybody can beat anybody. You just talked about it with Purdue. Purdue got beat by a team that they had no business losing to. So right now, you look at this, Memphis has no business beating Alabama, but they absolutely can. So why would you as a Memphis Tigers fan, not you obviously personally, but if you have tickets to the game, go there because let's say you decide not to go because you're, I don't want to go watch them lose and they win. How much of an idiot are you? Yeah, I, it's not often that you get ranked opponents in your house. you got to be strategic in, in how you schedule. And just because of what the the kind of the, the perception that Memphis gets, it's really hard to get guys to come to you that are really good. So it's a blessing when you get a team like Alabama who has played well last season in the postseason and this year has played their way up to number six in the nation. Like that's exciting. Like for Memphis fans, like they should be getting out there. They should be going to this game because not only is it a big game, it's an important game. So go out, support your team, regardless of what you feel one way or another about the, the last few games. Fucking let's go. Let's do it. And who knows? I mean, we're, we have a 53% chance of winning this game. So there you go. But man, I, I I wanted to to at least hit on Tiger basketball. I I I've been hammering it pretty good the past few weeks, and I'm not, you know, done like giving criticism. But I I am excited about tomorrow's game, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. But Jim, we got we got some work to do tonight with college football. So he, here's what I'll tell you: we we have our standings now our standings sit through the course of the season and conference championships. You have 34 points. I have 41 points. So this is a chance for somebody to really like make or break. We have decided to forego any point spread and just pick strictly the winner of each game. You still good with that? Yes, sir. All right. So I'll, we'll start with the first one. The roofclaim.com bowl. Western Kentucky, App State. Mm, App State. Give me App State, too. And it's not always going to be like this, I'm sure. But. It is for right now. Cricket Celebration Bowl, South Carolina State, Jackson State. <laughs> Don't read the titles again. I might not have to hold myself. <laughs> um, I, know, I know who I'm taking. Who are you taking? I'm taking Jackson State. 
All right, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with. Is that who uh, Dion coaches? That's him. Yeah. All day. Then then all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So we, we the same on on two. All right. The next one is the the PUBG Mobile New Mexico Bowl. UTEP and Fresno State. Fresno State. Oh, Fresno State. You know, I I'm gonna go Fresno State too. I know it's it's kind of boring right now, but I, I feel like it's gonna pick up. The next bowl, the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl, UAB and BYU. Apparently, I don't know what bowl LSU's playing in because I could have swore that's where they were told they were playing because I told you it was in Shreveport. So that's interesting. So I'll figure out somewhere along this line where LSU's playing. Um, give me, give me the the BYU Fighting Mormons. Oh yeah, me too. I'm taking BYU to win the the Radiance Technology Bowl. All right, the Lending Tree Bowl. The Lending Tree Bowl. You've got Eastern Michigan. And Liberty, who you got? Oh, you know I got Liberty. Yeah, the the Fighting Fallwells. I'm gonna go with them as well. Yeah, I feel like until we get to the bigger games, I feel like we're gonna because a lot of these. I mean, you look at the lines; they match too. A lot of these games are, you know, any it may not go that way, but they they they're pretty easy to pick. It seems. I I couldn't make this up if I tried. The next one, the Jimmy Kimmel, <laughs> L.A. Bowl. Utah State ten and three, Oregon State seven and five. Who you? All right, time to go against the line. Time to get an underdog. Let's go Utah State. You can take Utah State, but I'm going to take Oregon State. I just wanted to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, I hear you. The next one, the R and L Carriers, New Orleans Bowl, the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana against Marshall. So you're telling me Louisiana's playing in New Orleans? Uh yeah, let me get that. Yeah, I I think that's the route to go too. I'll take the raging Cajuns as well. We have the Myrtle Beach Bowl presented by Tax Act, <laughs> Old Dominion versus Tulsa. Neither, um, no Tulsa. <laughs> Tulsa, Jim picked Tulsa. You know what? Give me Old Dominion. Why not? Who else are you gonna root for? Oh, that's that's ugly. You know the the next one's one. Of I'm my glad. Hey, you know what? That game takes place while we're having our podcast, so I don't got to worry about what. Well, no, it's at two thirty. I was gonna say because it's on Monday, but I'm not watching that one. That's for sure. Oh man, come on now. All right, this is one of my favorite bowls. It's been around a while. The famous Idaho Potato Bowl. We got Kent State seven and six taking on Wyoming six and six. Give me Kent State. You're going to take Kent State. I'm going to take Wyoming. Why not? Give me the Cowboys. All right, the next one. The <laughs> You're having too much fun uh, reading these titles. You're ready already. I, you know what I thought about doing is just not having the, the screen up and just reading them from my paper and just making up names and seeing <laughs> if you would like be like, oh, that ain't the name of the bowl. But – uh, I'll, I'll hold tight on that. We'll, we'll get to that. Um, so the next one is the tropical smoothie. Well, tropical smoothie. 
I wonder why it's not on my paper. San Diego State. So tropical smoothie bowl. You're gonna take. Uh, you're taking San Diego State. Yes, sir. Give me UTSA. UTSA. I'll take them all day. Dang, the next one's not on here either. The Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. You got Missouri at Army. Armed Forces Bowl. Got to take the Armed Forces. Give me Army. Um, yeah, I'll take. I'll take Army as well. I imagine them having a uh, solid crowd there, whereas I don't know the same for Missouri. True. Very true. Next bowl is the Frisco Football Classic, North Texas and Miami. Uh, North Texas and Texas. The Mean Green, Miami of Ohio. Tell you what, you take your North Texas, I'm going to take Miami of Ohio. Why not? do it all right the next one let's keep it moving you got the union home mortgage gasparilla bowl in oh, your backyard in tampa yeah you got ucf and florida who you I got mean, i will never pick florida ucf you know i it is what it is. You, you got to pick somebody, and you don't want to pick Florida. And I, I got it, but you know what? I'm gonna pick Florida, even though I, I don't really. Shame on you! Shame on you! How disgusting is it? Those two teams are in your city. Just ugh. It's a bowl that I will not be going to. All right, the next one, the big one, the big one, the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl, the Memphis Tigers taking on the Hawaii Warriors. Rainbow Warriors, son. Give me Memphis. (laughs) Give me Memphis. I mean, you got – I don't even think that's questionable, right? (laughs) Seth Hennigan facing a throw all over the yard. I mean, the only thing that I can think is you go there and it becomes a a trip for fun and not for football and you get a little sidetracked on why you're there. But I still will take the Tigers. Tax Acts. Amelia Bowl. Georgia State and Ball State. Let me get Georgia State. Man, I must be missing something because my paper don't have any of these games on it. There's like a thousand bowls. I think everybody goes to a bowl now. That's what it seems like. Except Vanderbilt. Real. All right. So you are taking who? Georgia State. Jim's taking Georgia State. I'll take Ball State. All right. 
The Quick Lane Bowl, Western Michigan at Nevada. Western Michigan. Yeah, I'm taking Western. When in doubt, if I know nothing about the teams, Michigan playing in Michigan is always going to be a pick for me. Yeah, well, give me Nevada. Give me the Wolfpack. I'll take them. The next one is the Military Bowl. Presented by Paraton, Boston College, <laughs> East Carolina. Boston College. Jim's taking Boston College. I will take Boston College as well. The next one is the Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl. You've got Houston. At Auburn. Uh, Houston. You know, it. the conventional route would tell somebody to take Auburn, but I'm not doing it. I'm taking Houston. I've seen the funniest thing in the Memphis Forum today, Daniel. You ready for this? It's a good I laugh. Am. So Bo Nix hit the transfer portal, right? Right. A Memphis fan posted, what do you think the odds of us getting him are? Bo Nix did not leave Auburn to go to Memphis. Not to mention Seth Hennigan has pretty much proven himself as that spot. So, yeah. Why would you, one, want to come compete, but two, why would you leave the SEC to go to American Athletic Conference? No. That was the dumbest thing I read today. If he goes anywhere, he's going to go. I don't know. That's a good question. Where would he go? Hmm. LSU, I hope. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe so. Oklahoma? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Good question. I mean, is Bo Nix that good? He he had some games where he played really good. I mean, I know he's better than a lot of options for a lot of teams. You know, I joke about um, LSU, but apparently, you know, I said I know who our quarterback is. Apparently, Miles Brennan's going to stay tight. So we actually do have one. He's just got to stay healthy. But I wouldn't be mad if Bo Nix came to town just based upon his experience and he's won a lot of big games. Yeah. All right. The next one the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl, Air Force at Louisville. Who you got? Louisville. Oh, no, sir. Give me Air Force. Give me air for I'm going to be in attendance for the next one. Let's go. You got tickets. You're going to see the the renegade himself, Will Rogers, and the Mississippi State Bulldogs take on the Texas. Let me tell you why they're going to win this. Let me tell you why they're going to win this game, Daniel. There was a lot of people that felt like he'd be a finalist for all the quarterback awards. He was literally like, you know, when you see the top 25, the votes for, like, the first guy out. Uh, that was him. So, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. I think he's going to come out there, and I think uh, I think Leach is going to let him sling the ball over the yard. Texas Tech isn't known for playing defense. Expect, expect historic numbers, just like Steve Robertson actually came on here and said last week. Um, I think he's going to set the Liberty Bowl record. I think they cruise. Yeah, give me, give me the Bulldogs. I'll take them. All right, the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl, UCLA, North Carolina State. Who you got? 
North Carolina State just because UCLA beat LSU, so I don't like them. Yeah, I'm going to take North Carolina State. I think there's some uh, coaching swirls going on, going on over there in UCLA. They're not sure what's going on. The next one, the Guaranteed Rate Bowl, West Virginia at Minnesota. Ooh. Mm, give me Minnesota on coach alone. Yeah, I, I'm going to take Minnesota as well. That's a, that's a good call. The next one, this is a good one. The Wasabi Fenway Bowl, SMU, Virginia. Jim, who you got? Uh, Virginia. Ooh, I'm going to take SMU. The next one is the New Era Pinstripe Bowl. You got Maryland and Virginia Tech. You see where that's being played? In the Bronx at the Yankee Stadium. That's That might actually get me to watch. Yep. Um, and let me get Maryland in there. Jim's got Maryland. I'm taking Maryland. The next one, the Cheez-It Bowl. You got Clemson Tigers. And Iowa State. Who are you taking? Or this is in Orlando. Clemson. You're gonna take Clemson. Yeah, I I am a hard pass on Iowa State. I just don't get it. The Valero Alamo. The Valero Alamo Bowl, Oregon and Oklahoma. Who you got? Uh, Oklahoma. Jim's taking Oklahoma. I'm going to take Oregon. Give me the Ducks. With no coach, give me the Ducks. (laughs) All right, the Dukes Mayo Bowl, North Carolina, (laughs) South Carolina. I just started singing P.D. Pablo in my head. Um, North Carolina. You take North Carolina. I will take, I don't know. Let me take South Carolina. Why not? Now, the Transperfect Music City Bowl. Tennessee at Purdue. The Dream Killer. Tennessee. I am going to take Purdue. Give me Purdue. I'm texting Randy right now. Good. I hope you do. Tell him I'm taking Purdue in this game, and I'm taking Tigers on Saturday. Just no. Next one, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, Michigan State at Pittsburgh. I will never, ever pick Michigan State again after they screwed my parlay. Pittsburgh. Jim's taking Pittsburgh. I, however, will take Michigan State. Not you were on that same parlay. You should have principles, sir. Nope. Not doing it. All right, the next one. The SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl, Wisconsin, Arizona State. Who you got? Um, Arizona State. Yep, I won't take Wisconsin. 
Oh, you won't take them for the same principle on why I wouldn't take Michigan State. Yep. You haven't picked Wisconsin one time since then. Nope. Bump them dudes. The next one, the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, and the Texas A&M Aggies. Who you got? Texas A&M. You know, I believe Texas A&M is going to win, but I can't help but to root for Wake Forest. So give me Wake Forest. Oh, this next one's a good one. The Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Washington State versus Miami. Give me the U. The U. Hmm. You know what? Give me, give me Washington State. Give me Washington State. It'll be fun to root against them. All right, the next one. Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl. Central Michigan at Boise State. Who you got? Boise State. Yeah, give me Boise State, too. <clears throat> the popular pick. Here we go. Well, let's hold off. We're going to come back to these semifinal games. We got some others to do first. Are, are you sure LSU made a bowl game? I don't know. Yes, they did. They made the Texas. Kansas. Our Kansas. You're going to take Arkansas over Penn State. Dang, how many bowls y'all holding in Raymond James, bro? All of them. Two. Just two. So, Jim's taking Arkansas. I'm going to take Penn State. Why not? Uh, the next one. The PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. Oklahoma State, Notre Dame. This is the not quite good enough bowl. Who you got? All right, I got a theory. I think them Notre Dame boys are actually going to come out there and play with a chip on their shoulder because their coach bailed on them. And so I'm going to go against the grain of what I'd normally do and pick against Notre Dame and pick them just because I have a belief that they're probably pissed off. They probably are. But you know who's pissed off too? Gundy, there we the go. The fighting Gundies. Give me, give me the fighting Gundies all day, bro. All day. The next one. You got the VRBO Citrus Bowl. You got Iowa and Kentucky. Who you got? Let's see. The guy who mocked me on Instagram or Iowa who's failed to be on a parlay also. Here we go. Hmm. You know what? Because there were tornadoes that ravaged Kentucky this week, I feel bad for the state as a whole. Probably a lot of them are Kentucky fans. Give me Kentucky. I'm going to take Kentucky as well. The next one, the Rose Bowl, presented by Capital One Venture X, Utah, Ohio State. Jim, who you got? Oh, hi. Nope. You know what? I'm willing to bet because I haven't looked. There's probably a lot of guys probably not playing that game because they got pros. Give me Utah. I haven't looked, but I'm going to go on a guess because that's what Ohio State players would do if they're not in the playoffs. That's fine. And I'll still take Ohio State. Give me Ohio State. 
Now, the All-State Sugar Bowl. The Baylor Bears against the Ole Miss, whatever you want to call them. I think, you got? I think Ole Miss is going to roll. Ole Miss is going the to lane, roll. The lane train is coming through. They're going to win the Sugar Bowl. Well, give me the Baylor Bears. Mm-mm-mm. I know. It's, it's rough. So, here we go. Here's your game. The Tax Act Texas Bowl. Are we literally like the last bowl for real? Is that the way they did it? Like, this is the trash bowl for real. No, well, it's the toilet bowl. But either way, LSU, Kansas State, Houston, Texas, who you got? Well, I'm going to have to take Kansas State because LSU's quarterback bounced. He already hit the transfer portal. He ain't even sticking around to play a game. Half their team's already bounced. Um, let's hedge my bet. Obviously, I want LSU to win any game, even this bowl game. But let's just pick Kansas State, and if I'm wrong, that means LSU won. Yeah, I'll take Kansas State. All right, let's go back to it. Here we are. Semifinal. Alabama, Cincinnati, Cotton Bowl. Who you got? Contrary to what I did on the All Sports All Plays Network this week, and I couldn't bring myself to do it. This is our show. And on our show, I'm picking Cincinnati. So you're going to take those dudes not on a different show, but you're not going to take them on our show. That's what you're telling me? Well... Something about being on TV made me scared to pull the trigger because I wanted to say Cincinnati. I even hyped them the whole way. I spent 10 minutes hyping them up just to not pick them. Got a little gun shy, but this is our show. I'm comfortable here. I'm comfortable in who I am and who I want to pick, and I'm picking Cincinnati. Well, that's a good pick, but that's not going to happen. Give me Alabama. All right, Georgia, Michigan, number three, number two, Capital One, Orange Bowl. Who you got, Jim? Michigan. You know, I said it once. I'll say it again. It's going to be Georgia. It's going to be Georgia, Alabama in the championship game. So, all right, Jim. So that gives you the opportunity now to pick. From. Let's say Cincinnati. Well, I guess we can hold off on picking this, but I'll ask you if 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 Cincinnati wins and Michigan wins, who you got? Michigan. Michigan's taking it all. Jim Harbaugh went from the hottest seat in the world to a national champ. You know, I <laughs> I I've said it weeks upon weeks. It'll be Alabama and Georgia. You know, I want to be Alabama doing the same thing to Georgia. I want to go back and cut. I want to go back and cut the clip from like week four of the season. When I said to you, I was like, isn't it crazy that nobody's talking about Michigan this year? And I said, they just now broke into the top 25. They're ranked 25th. I remember vividly. I said, maybe this is just what they need to fly under the radar. And it's just funny thinking about that comment and how they slowly just crept up the charts and then beat Ohio State. It's wild. Yeah, it's 
so wild. Like, I can't believe that, that you picked that. No, 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 no. I didn't pick them to do all that. What I'm saying, I, I said maybe this is what they need. I think it's wild that every year they're ranked in the top 10 and then let everyone down. This year they don't get ranked at all. You finally get ranked at 25, move to like 19, 14, you know, slowly moving up and then still give, are getting no chance against Ohio State and do it. And so maybe that's just what they needed was for no one to believe in them at all. Maybe. Well, man, let's let's get on with it. Let's get to NFL. We had a, a, a big week of games um, capped off with the Rams beating the Cardinals. Um, you know, 30 Bre- to 23. Bre- 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 breaking news. Your points leader in your fantasy football league after that Rams Cardinals game maintained it, held it. Your boy's going to the playoffs, and he's going to be facing you as the higher seed. Get ready. That's all I got to say. Buckle up. I mean, what what does that even – does it even matter if you're a four playing a five, like the seed? Yeah, I want the lower number next to me. I want you to know. Well, when, well at this time next week, you will know. <laughs> you will know. Uh, All right, so looking at the games, you know, just a quick run through. Vikings take care of Steelers. Cowboys uh, made it look closer than it was at the end with a pick six. Um, Bucks uh, beat the Bills. The Bills are, are sliding. Uh, the Browns hang on Bills against got the cheated. Eh, that man. dude, Diggs, got held the whole way. It should have been first man. goal from the one with 25 seconds left. But it's it's. It's one of those things, okay, if they call it, you don't know that they're going to score for sure. First and goal from the one. I saw I saw it three times this weekend, first and goal from the one, and teams didn't score. They didn't have Josh uh, Allen. Browns hang on to beat the Lamar Jacksonless Ravens. Titans take care of business against the Jaguars. The Chiefs just demolished the Raiders. Saints uh, beat up on the Jets as they should have. Falcons uh, beat the Panthers. Seahawks beat up on the Texans. The Broncos destroy the Lions. Chargers uh, beat the Giants. 49ers in overtime beat the Bengals and the Packers, um, which was a really good game, believe it or not. Um, The Bears just fell a little bit short. but the Packers beat the Bears. Anything worth noting for last week's slate of games, Jim? Um, yeah, I mean, start with just tonight. Um, the Rams showing their potential um, is is noteworthy. Um, the Cowboys, the score is close, obviously. But the first half, the way that defense played, if that defense – and obviously they didn't put it together for a whole game – but nonetheless, I saw the the potential. And obviously, I saw it in the Saints game, too. That defense can play like that and get to a quarterback like that. Um, that's, that's scary. So, that was, that was noteworthy to me. Lamar Jackson getting hurt is noteworthy. Um, I thought the 49ers got a huge win against the Bengals. They kept the Bengals from taking the top spot in the north, but also kept the 49ers in the uh, – the, the thick of the playoff race, which is huge um, for them. 
So uh, a lot, a lot of noteworthy things from this this week. Honestly, a, a lot of teams put themselves um, in in the thick of the playoff races. In when you look in the NFC, there are eight potential teams that could take those wild card spots. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a crapshoot. All I know is them boys are nine and four, and that's what matters right now. Um, I was obviously rooting, you know, secretly for the Buffalo Bills to beat the Bucks yesterday. Um, didn't happen, but you know, as long as Dallas just keeps winning games, I'll be happy with that. Um, obviously, you know, if you can sneak in and get the number one overall seed, you get a buy. But um, I mean, if you put gun to my head today, I think obviously Tampa's going to win their division. I still think Arizona wins their division, Dallas, and then Green Bay. If I had to pick three wild card teams, I'm going to go with Minnesota. No, what? You know what? I'm going to be a homer. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Rams, 49ers, and then the Saints because only only because of the Saints' remaining schedule. They got the Bucks this week, which they traditionally own in the regular season. But if even if they lose after that, they got three sub-500 teams, two of which are at home. I like that. Um, and so – and they own the tiebreaker on Washington. So, yeah. yeah I, I, can, I can get with that. But I definitely think the 49ers um, – you got to remember, they're a team that were supposed to come in and be a lot better than this. I think they have found themselves – and then obviously the Rams or the the Cardinals, whoever doesn't win that division is going to be your other team. Well, I mean, the 49ers have ran into the the buzzsaw of the Arizona Cardinals and the Rams, which is who they knew that they were going to have to have a crap crapshoot with. Um, you know, I mean that division uh, is so badass. I mean, think about it. Now that Seattle's got Russell Wilson back, they're winning, but it's just they're they're in too deep a hole. But when you consider him healthy and how good Seattle can be, the I mean that division top to bottom is is so legit. Yeah. So let's uh, let's move on to this week's play the game so we can get some predictions in. Um, I will tell you this: you last week uh, you. Got points, so you it, you started this week at thirty six and twenty three overall. You won two games and lost four. You won the Vikings game and you won the Saints game, um, but you lost Washington, you lost Buffalo, you lost the Giants, and you lost the Cardinals, making you two and four, which gives you a total record of thirty eight and twenty six. I was 30 and 29 coming into this week's play the games. I got points for the Cowboys. I got points for the Bucks. I got points for the Chargers and I got points for the Rams. I went four and two, improving my record to 34 and 31. Still sitting four games back of you, but we got six more games this week. So I will ask you, Jim, what's your first pick? Colts over the Patriots. Colts over the Patriots. You're taking the Colts. Colts plus two. Yep. You know, I am going 
to. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna take the Colts as well. I know that's not the fun pick at all, but you know, I I think the Colts got a good shot here. Um, I am gonna stick with my guns, and I'm gonna go Cowboys. Cowboys. Ten and a half. Let me take the Giants. I hope the Cowboys win by ten. Just because that half a point and stick it to you. That's fine. That is all. I'm pretty sure you'll be all well and fine if the Cowboys win, period, by one point or ten and a half. Absolutely. All right. Uh, who you got next game? Saints. Hmm, that's just. That's no, I'm right. taking that. That's an 11 point spread, and you're talking about a team who's beaten them three straight regular season games. So you're going to go Saints. Yeah. And you're going to believe that. Okay. I'm sorry, but I'm going to go Bucks. Getting 11. All right. Next game. Give me. Give me the Chiefs. Chiefs. Yeah, I'm taking that too. And I think the Chiefs are now back to being the AFC favorite. Minus four. Would you not agree? Yeah, yeah, I don't want to base it on one game. But That's not one game. They won four in a row. But what I'm saying is they really beat up on those guys yesterday. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the, the four in a row, yes. You're you're right, but I think just the way that they won makes them look good. I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to base it off that one game, but yeah, they they look they look like they're they're figuring things out. So, who you got next? Last game for you. Mm, scroll it. Got Bills and Panthers, Cardinals, Lions, Jets, Dolphins. Washington football team. over the Broncos. Oh, the Bengals are getting one and a half. I'm taking them. I got to. My starting quarterback for fantasy is on that team, which I really don't like that matchup for him, to be honest. But it is what it is right now. My last one is give me the. So do the Packers get? Oh, that's four twenty. I was just—I thought that was Sunday night. I was like, do they get the Sunday night game every week? Where's it? Is there not a Sunday night game? <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh... Oh no. There's not. That's what I'm saying. The last game listed there was that. That's why I thought that was it. Odd. That is strange. Oh, let's do this one for funsies. Give me. Please tell me you're not picking that Jaguars takes this game. I am. <laughs> give, give me the Jaguars. I'll take the Jaguars. Give me the Texans. Jag minus. 
Dumpster fire versus dumpster fire. Yeah, why not? I mean, if I'm either of these two teams, I want to lose this game for the first spot in the the draft. Because if I'm, I think them two. I feel like the Jets got three wins. I feel like them two are the bottom. Yeah, no, Detroit, Detroit, Detroit. My bad. Detroit got one win. Okay. And but a tie. And it's hot. But these are this is two and three right here. Yeah. I mean, arguably. I'm trying I'm trying to lose this game and hope Detroit wins one. <laughs> oh man. All right, man. Let's uh we, we got our picks for this week. Let's move into last call. What you got? Man, I actually had something really good and I don't even remember what it was. It was actually so relevant too. Uh what was it? Man. I don't know. So I guess I got I got nothing. That's sad. I, I, I almost think it maybe was the NBA COVID thing, but I would have brought that up. What would I be forgetting? What would I be forgetting? I don't know, man. Well, let me do my 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 power and non-power five. Maybe that'll spark something in you. So which which do you want to hear first? Power five, non-power five? Non-power five. All right, coming in at number five in our non-power five this week, Zion Williamson. He All the scuttlebutt about being out of shape, and now his rehab process is, is going to be delayed a little bit. So I, I, I don't know if I feel bad for the guy or if he's truly not doing the things he needs to do to, to get himself back on the court. But needless to say, he's in the non-power five at number five. Number four, the Raiders. The Raiders got mollywopped, just absolutely ran off the field yesterday. And the the first three possessions that I saw, they looked like they didn't have a clue. So the Raiders coming in at number four. Coming in at number three, the Buffalo Bills. Um, they're struggling, man. Um, they're, on, they're on a little bit of a skid. They're not playing well. They had the opportunity to win against the good Bucks team, but they just didn't find out how to do it. You say there was a, a non-penalty called. Um, regardless of that, I don't think the game was that great for them. They had a good second half, but a total package of a game, it wasn't that great. I think um, Josh Allen had to do a lot of improvising with his feet to give them a chance in a lot of situations. So coming in at number two, you got Auburn basketball. Bruce Pearl, the guy that everyone questions all the time, is going to be hit with some some violations. They're going to be put on probation. He's going to be suspended. So that's why Auburn basketball, you're in at number two. And at number one, I said it earlier. I wasn't done with the criticism for Memphis basketball and Memphis basketball with the loss to Murray State. Uh, with a 14-point lead at half, and then they quickly give it up. They It was a 21-point swing. They end up going down by seven at one point, um, and they eventually lose. They are number one in the non-powerful five this week. In the power five, Jim, I know you're excited. You're looking forward to this. Coming in at number five in the power five, the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix beats Golden State, takes over sole possession in the West, the first place. Coming in at number four, you got the Grizzlies. They're on a hot streak. They won three in a row. Eight and two are their last ten. Sitting, you know, right there, um, 
towards the, 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 the top. They're a few games back of that third place spot sitting in fourth right now, looking really good. It's interesting to see how that dynamic will play play out when John ja Morant gets back. Coming in at number three, you got Baylor basketball. Baylor basketball slowly climbed its way. And I, I I kept putting teams in front of them, but I forgot my mantra that you are the champ until someone beats you. And sure enough, they put on a clinic, beating a lot of folks, and now they find themselves in the number one spot undefeated. Uh, coming in at number two, the Dallas Cowboy defense. I'll tell you this, Jim, and I don't know if you agree with this. Micah Parsons is the best rookie defensive player of the year. I think he actually is the defensive player of the year. I I was going to get to that, but um, yeah, I mean, it, just a stud. Has like, anyone? I'd have to look it up. Obviously, has anyone ever been able to accomplish winning the rookie defensive player or offensive player and the actual offensive or defensive player? That would be wild. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say no. I don't know. Um, but he, if you watched him in the game yesterday, it was like he was on another level as far as like it was the same thing he did in the Saints game, and it was the reason why when me and you talked about it, I'm sending that dude after the quarterback every single play. Like some plays they drop him back in coverage. I'm never dropping him back in coverage. I'm sending him every time. Then again, as I say that, he almost had an interception yesterday. Yeah, I mean he dropped back in coverage jumped up and almost one-handed the ball, but tipped it, and then it almost got caught by Trayvon Diggs, and it was like, out of all the people that you're going to throw to, you're going to throw it in coverage where you have the best defensive player and then the best secondary player in the league right now. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Um, well, I'm going to be honest. Uh, Heineke's decision-making yesterday was amazingly bad. Oh, he – yeah, he – he got lucky. There was a, a there could have been balls. eighteen picks. Yeah, yeah. There was a few balls thrown into triple covers that were batted around and just fell out of the reach of people. But um, you're right. You know his decision making yesterday and the passes they were questionable and suspect at best. So, um, but coming in at number one, Power Five this week. I, I think when you win the Heisman, that's accolades enough to put you there. So we're gonna put Bryce Young there, um, winning the Heisman. Got a chance to win a national championship, so boom, there you have it. There's a power five, non-powerful five this week. Jim, for last call, does any of that spark any any interest in bringing back what you were wanting to talk about? Yes, scrolling Instagram actually did it. Not you're talking. Um, I was oh, multi- so you so you were was, not listening to me. I was listening to your whole list. I can multitask. I've been through this with people before. I'm very good at it. I was watching the football game earlier. But did you see me have any problem? Anyway, um, you know, I like shouting out our guest, our girl, Grace McClellan. You know what? They came up short and lost the national championship, so they didn't they didn't repeat it back. But individual accolades are still meaningful. First team All-American goalkeeper. You there? You got nothing because it's soccer, huh? Nothing. Wow. No, no, I kid. You know, um, having Grace on, talking to her, and you know, witnessing her 
you know, accomplish her dream. She was able to to go somewhere and play for a national championship, do it, and then have the opportunity to do it again. Like that's that's pretty special, man. That's that's hard to do. She's gonna be she's gonna be playing in in the ML or not wait is it into anyway professional soccer either in America or Europe period. Man. And here's some, here's something for you since I was scrolling in Instagram. Kamara has the NFL record for most receptions by a running back in their first five seasons. Take that for data. Good for him. And good for this show because we are ready to get out of here. Jim, another great episode. I want to thank our guests, Austin Riley, Cameron James, and their dads, Mike Riley, Greg James. Just a star-studded, you know, action-packed episode. You know, if you like that episode or you just like hearing us average Joes talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, your comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. We're going to see everybody next week for episode 15, where we're going to be talking Special Olympics. We got our man, Olympian Seth Slocum, on the show. It's going to be awesome. You don't want to miss it. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.